Stefan, tonight I surprised myself. To put things mildly, my relationship with my father was difficult. He was the kind of father for whom I could climb to the metaphoric peak of Everest in achievement, and his response would be, is that it? When he died in 2016, I should correct that, 2017, I was left a self-destructive wreck. But listening to the content of you and similar producers helped me slowly come to terms with what reality that or what what the reality is that his dissatisfaction was really with himself and projected outward onto me i wasn't the flawed one this realization helped me regain stability and proceed forward but i've still been a bit off while i have achieved a decent degree of success in the material sense i still have a great difficulty to connect with others in means plutonic or romantic though i have some internet friends I've largely been isolated other than my connections with my mother, with whom I have what I could best describe as a cautiously close relationship. I've recently helped her move and I'm staying with her until I can finalize the visa process. I plan to move to East Europe in a few months. And we were planning on taking a trip to Colorado tomorrow, tomorrow being multiple weeks ago. She asked me to put some heavy things in the trailer. I told her I would and had every intention to do so. I had a few beers tonight and was taking a nap on the couch, planning to put them in in the early morning. And she woke me up to tell me she did it already and asked me why I could never be relied on. In my semi-intoxicated state, I asked, do you just want me to be dead? To which she responded, no, but I wish I could rely on you. I stewed on that. All right, I wish I could what? I wish I could rely on you. Oh, okay. I stewed on that even had dark fantasies about taking my revolver and blowing my brains out. I won't be a burden to you anymore. Instead, I grabbed a lamp and smashed it on the ground in her living room. It's been years since I've had an outburst like this, and it surprised me as much as it did her. I thought that I'd come to terms with whatever emotional wounds I have, but clearly her words hit a point that provoked something. I awkwardly explained to her what set me off about her words, and and she offered an apology. But what's standing out to me is that clearly I have demons that I only buried rather than properly exercised. I was hoping you might be able to help me figure out what the actual root cause of such anger is and how it can be constructively overcome. Thank you. Right, right. How did the trip to Colorado go? Oh, it is gorgeous up there. Um, It's up in the mountains in an area that's referred to as the Switzerland of America and the name sticks for good cause. Um, you know, always in the high 60s, low 70s, and just it's genuinely God's country. And I'm very much a person that's kind of in tune with nature in a sense. And so very much like just being able to go out and just from your doorstep, hike a mountain. And with your mom, how did it go with your mom out there? You know, she kept to herself. Her, um, her brother came up and they just did a lot of projects around the house. And I actually had um, a friend from California and his, I guess, technically wife now, they're kind of in one of those gray area states, um, come out and we hung out around town for a little bit there. Um, and uh, just, it was definitely relaxing kind of being away from the stress of things. And um, just it's a genuinely more compatible place with my kind of mindset than- I'm sorry, I'm just, so, just to clarify, I mean, you smashed your lamp on the ground and then you went on vacation? Yeah, no, it's, uh, and it was like the next, it was actually two days later. Wow. And you're living together the whole time, right? Um, 
yeah, I mean, we're in the same house. She is more occupied in the upstairs. And I was more in the downstairs, but yes, in, in the same building. Right. Okay. 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 I mean, I, I've obviously thought, thought about what you've said uh, in your email. I'm sorry it took, it took so long, uh, but uh, is oh. there a place you wanted to start or anything else you wanted to add? Because I certainly have some thoughts, but I want to make sure that they're not, if, if anything's happened since or anything else you wanted to add. No, I mean, well, I mean, I guess there is a place where it start. It's just, I mean, I kind of realize uh, a lot of it just kind of boiling over from uh, just the nature of the relationship I had with my father that was left unresolved. He was very much the kind of, um, to put it mildly, he was just not appreciative of anything that I ever did. And I always just felt unwanted and unreliable is kind of like the phrase, maybe not unreliable, but just that is the the kind of the operative thing that set me off that relied upon the kind of the sense of being made to feel worthless. And that's kind of what set me to boil over. That's the rage that came back because that very much was how he would beat me down when I was younger. Like you mean when your mom said, I wish, just wish I could rely on you. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so that's what I, you know, explained to her. And once things calmed down a bit, like, you know, that harkened back to that, I'm not saying it justifies it, but it did harken back to that. And, um, you know, t- such biting language did set me to kind of boil over, and I obviously need to figure out how to do that more constructively. But at the at the time, that's just kind of where it came from. And so, well, here's uh, the thing. Sorry, just to interrupt, just, just so you understand how this kind of aggression works. You smashed a lamp because it was better than saying what was really there to say. See, the violence is a distraction from the truth. Because you oh, smash yeah. the lamp, and then you all get to talk about, oh, smash the lamp. And the, but the real reason why you smashed the lamp was so you'd have something to talk about other than what you really wanted to say. No, I absolutely agree with you there. And I have a guess as to what you really wanted to say. I think I may know the direction you're going, but shoot. Listen, if you have something that you wanted to say, you should say it, not me. <laughs> if there's something that you figured out that you wanted to say. What was the what was the deepest response that you could have given to your mom when she said, "Well, I just wish I could rely on you." It was basically what the what I would have in the back of my mind at any given time is, "Why weren't you there standing up for me when I was a kid?" Yeah. You know, why, any why, any why, chance why? I could rely on you ever to have chosen a father who would have been helpful to me rather than murderously destructive to my self-esteem? Right. No, absolutely. And actually, I did sort of say it in a less constructive way. But um, and then we calmed down and kind of dealt with the the lamp situation, as you mentioned. Right. I mean, there are words that are held back that if they are let out, it's the end of the relationship. And because we're terrified of the end of the relationship as it stands, maybe there's some new relationship that can come out of it. Violence is the avoidance of truth. Violence is the avoidance of language. Violence sure. is a cheap way to distract from what really needs to be said. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Just just so you know, so you don't sit there and say, my God, I'm so violent. Right. I mean, I know this from just, you know, deplatforming me and the violence that was given to me when I would give, go out and give speeches. It's just a way of avoiding a truth that people consider to be um, world changing. Right. There's a violence is, sure. is, is a, way, a way to distract people from the, the truth that is being said. Then people end up talking about the violence and all that kind of stuff. Right. So. Yeah, so I'm sorry about that. Now, is there anything else? What did your dad die of? 
It's a little bit of a weird situation. Um, he had a heart attack officially on paper, though when kind of digging through his closet, he was very much the kind of guy that thought he was smarter than everybody else, never saw a doctor, but self-prescribed himself medicine that he bought from like Russia or whatever. He was taking diabetes medicine uh, that, to my knowledge, never diagnosed with diabetes. Nobody in my family has diabetes, anything like that. I certainly don't. Um, and, or, and I'm not really a risk factor for it, so it seems. So I think he just must have convinced himself he had that was taking heart medicine and then is actually kind of a little bit of a, a dark uh, reasoning for it was uh, he was being verbally abusive to my mom and she finally had enough and told him she, she wanted a divorce and he had a heart attack on the spot. And so that's caused a lot of the spillover at the time. That's uh, it's quite a package of information you just delivered to me there. So he was like ordering and self-prescribing his own powerful medications online. I um yes absolutely and so he had a doctor that he got a plastic surgeon for his face. Um, he had some uh, issues from childhood from when he was playing football. He kind of messed up his nose a bit and had some surgeries, and then he had a relation with the doctor where the doctor would kind of prescribe him anything non-controlled. And what he couldn't get, he would try to get online through various means. Um, and so, yes, he was taking medicine that he, in his own non-medical opinion, decided he needed to take. Wait, I'm sorry. So uh, the the surgery was for, what, like a deviated septum or, or something to do with his nose? and that was, But that yeah. wasn't cosmetic surgery, right? It wasn't just like to look prettier or better or better. It was Correct. because he had an issue from, from athletics. Now... Sorry, so was it the doctor who was giving the prescription for whatever he wanted, or what? Not for these particular medicines, but I know whenever he felt that he wanted um, various other things that... And I have to be careful in my words, because I'm not sure if I'm getting into any kind of potentially legally questionable territory involving the doctor or whatever. Not that I have any relationship with him, but uh, uh, I, I'm not aware of anything like controlled or anything like that, but it seemed like the doctor, like anytime he wanted an antibiotic or anything like that, would just sign it off for him. Right. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. But so the stuff that he was taking, like the diabetes and heart stuff, that was his own doing as far as you can tell, right? As far as I can tell, it was either Russian or Indonesian or, you know, one of those things that you can get without needing a prescription if you go through the right shady websites and who knows what's actually in them. Right. And because... Do you have any idea how long you'd be doing this? Like, did he keep old bottles or how long did it go back? Do you know? My mom, when she was digging through his things, found a very big stack of it, clearly for more than a year's worth of dosing. Who knows how long he'd been prior, though? Oh, the current stuff was for more than a year and he had been doing for whatever, right? Yeah. Could have been one day. Could have been two years. Who knows? Wow. Did he, like, was he insane? In my non-medical opinion, he was a clinical narcissist, and both of his siblings are, and that stemmed from kind of their childhood and whatever. That's another thing I've had to dig into a lot with therapists and so on. Um, he was, particularly when he got involved with using substances, he was a very heavy drinker, and it would unlock that kind of inner dark triad within him. Right, okay. Uh, so what's the story with the self-medication, though? I mean, that's not necessarily a characteristic of narcissism. Uh, I would say it's in the sense that he thought he was smarter than literally everybody. Uh, and, you know, IQ is something that he very much 
congratulated himself on, even though I don't necessarily think he was particularly a paragon of IQ. I think he's certainly high, but not like a genius level. And uh, I think he just decided he's smarter than doctors. If they're not going to give him what he wants, he'll figure out the other way to get it. Oh, so do you think, or do you have any evidence that he went to doctors, said, I'm diabetic, and they're like, no, you're not, or I have oh, these he, heart he, issues? He refused to go to doctors. He apparently hadn't gone to a doctor in 10 years. Right. Okay. Okay. So he just self-diagnosed and self-medicated, and was there anything in the autopsy or the cause of death that had anything to do with these substances that you're aware of? Uh, they just basically said it was um, whatever the medical term for a heart failure not caused by any kind of clogged artery or anything like that. Told me something that could be something to do with the electrical system in there or whatever. I'm not an expert by any means, but uh, they did not have anything conclusive. And did they test him for any of these? For, well, did, you didn't find these substances until afterwards, right? No, not until well afterward, too. They tested him for kind of the usual suspects, you know, various drugs and things, and that came up pretty much clean other than alcohol. But, uh, you know, nothing like that was tested for. And what was his age range when he died? He was almost 60. So, that I mean, that's young. Was, was he obese, no exercise, that kind of stuff? Yeah, for about the last 15 years of his life, he was just very lethargic, drank a lot, ate a lot. Um, he was very fit when he was young, and then he just, you know, it caught up with him very quickly and very largely. Isn't that funny, right? Isn't that funny? I mean, the weight thing has always surprised me, just how many people are paranoid about their health who were also like 100 pounds overweight or whatever. Uh, I mean, it's just wild to me. It's like I remember having a girlfriend whose mother was obese and she was constantly nagging everyone to wash their hands. And it's like, I don't, I don't think that a virus is, is the big problem in your life. I think that the problem right. is you're 100 pounds overweight. It's just odd to me. And, and people, oh, I'm so scared of COVID. It's like, okay, did you gain 30 pounds? Yeah. Okay. Well, you, now you're more at risk for, for problems from COVID. Oh, and you're going to spread it more. But, you know, and, and it's yeah. just kind of odd to me that... And he was very much a um, hypochondriac when it came to disease, too. I mean, he, I remember back in the, if you remember that bird flu thing back way back in the day, that was kind of the oh, original yeah. warming up of the pandemic. And, you know, there's a whole question on how much of that was being prepared or whatever. But um, he was you know, convinced end of the world coming, Tamiflu, you know, with every meal, have it on hand and be prepared for a society to collapse and everybody to die kind of stuff. And he very much had fantasies about end of the world scenarios like you know, very into like that Walking Dead TV show, which I couldn't stand myself. But uh, the whole, the whole death by disease and destruction of society—something about that really drew him in. But yeah, the, he was. The Walking Dead is just this giant repetition compulsion show. You know, it's like yeah. we have to get something from the other side of town. There are zombies between us and them. We'll do the same thing next week. But it'll be something yep. different, and it'll be another another side of t anyway. Just really to me, kind just of just the holding pattern, and then there's zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, what did he do for a living? He worked. Um, he was a bit shady in the sense that I never really quite knew, but I don't know how much of that, that is him being kind of just secretive by nature and not really sharing much with the family in really any sense of his life. But I know he worked for a prominent aerospace company, and he was a kind of off the books executive meaning he was you know billed as a consultant but i know he was 
sitting at the meeting with the CEOs and stuff like that. Um, he was a fixer. Yeah. Um, so I don't know exactly what he did. I know it had something to do with like environmental regulations when they set up factories and were trying to have international deals. You know, he'd travel to various countries and deal with the f- factories there and making sure that up to some kind of international code so that it can be sold in America, things like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I know the world fairly well. I was in that world as an entrepreneur for quite some time. So he, I mean, he's pretty skilled, right? I mean, he's pretty, pretty good at what he did if he's doing it at that level. Oh, he had a Harvard MBA. So smart guy, for sure. As you say, yeah. maybe not at the genius level, but but smart guy for sure. Yeah. And what do you know of his childhood? I know that um, well, both both his sisters as well as him are pretty much emotional wrecks in various, various ways. But I know that his parents uh, were heavy smokers, were what you'd probably consider the lower rung of society in the southern states working class not particularly well respected and that definitely bled over into um kind of the way that is their kids viewed themselves i think his mom was a very heavy drinker they both died before i was born um his mother died i want to say of breast cancer and no maybe it was lung cancer but uh, i don't know for sure and then the father died of a heart attack um and now yeah, both before i was born and uh, I mean, I I just got a general feeling when he would recount things about his childhood of a constant sense of not being accepted by his own parents, like them not really appreciating him, not really caring about what he did and that kind of stuff. So well, very if much. You're a, yeah. If yeah. you're smarter than your family, it's it can be pretty stressful. So, yeah, no. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot more to it than that. Right. But um, OK, so. So you have like a death wish gene pool on that side of your your family, right? Just like smoking, drinking. It's like the like Christopher Hitchens stuff, right? Where he's like, "Yeah, uh, no, my mother committed suicide, and 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 I've got these uh, these these. I think he got genes for like this really dangerous cancer, which if you smoke and drink is much worse. And so he smoked and drank, and it's like, yep, there you go. Um, yeah, there is no, a kind of death wish thing that goes on. Funny how that rolls on. I I I would say that I have a uh, a. My relationship with alcohol is not what it should be, but I wouldn't say it's like my father's was. But I've been very, very, very careful not to touch anything else because I know addictive genes are in my, you know, gene pool. Oh yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Okay. All right, and uh, I guess you said that your father was verbally abusing your mom. Was that constant from your childhood? Yeah, and he was the kind of verbal abusive that um, I think the the. I don't know if it's a clinical term or if it's um, something else, but uh, the kind of the vulnerable narcissists, the ones that, oh, woe is me. If only I had a better son, if only I had a better wife, if only you cared, or, you know, that kind of bullshit. I, I, I blame myself for your failures. It's like, yeah, okay, so I'm a failure. I got it. One of the very first things I remember, because he didn't really take much interest in my life until I was about oh 11 12 until i started actually being a human and rather than just kind of a preformed super ego uh he didn't really care other than occasionally maybe take me to disneyland or something like that so he wasn't neglectful when i was young it was really the abuse started when i was like wait he wasn't neglectful he said he didn't take any interest in you Uh, okay i should say he wasn't uh, 
he did not have a negative conception that he imprinted on me when I was preformed, I should say. False. That he wasn't That is false, my friend. I look, I know you want to divide this into well, there was times when he wasn't abusive and times when he was abusive, but neglect is the worst form of abuse in many ways. Fair, yeah. Right, because your evaluation of yourself as a child is almost entirely dependent upon your parents' level of interest in you. And if right. your father is like, well, you're not worth crossing the room for, and I don't really care much about what you do, and I'd rather drink than play with you, or whatever it is, right? I mean, it's giving you a very clear sense of your lack of worth to him, uh, and that's going to leave a footprint, right? Yeah, touche. Fair enough. I stand corrected. Um, I mean, but... there's, there's, we always like to think there's a nice part of our parents somewhere, or a nicer part of our parents Um Generally, assholes are assholes in three dimensions all throughout time, you know, from from very early on. So um, I just want to be that's sort of my thought on that. But you're saying that things he got more interested and then more abusive. Is that right in your teens? It was really when school started becoming a thing. And, you know, he didn't take any interest in me in the beginning. So and my mom, you know, God bless her for what what her attributes are that are positive, but she's not a particularly smart woman, and she was not really uh, able to help me with schoolwork and stuff like that. And uh, it wasn't until really— well, I'm sorry. Uh, how do you—I mean, obviously you know her infinitely better than I do, but is it possible that she just played dumb because she didn't want to do it? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I do actually recall times of her actually do, trying to, and she just wasn't— really up to snuff and then then my father some eventually kind of coming in going all right i'll do this job right because somebody asked him that kind of bullshit but sorry i keep swearing i shouldn't be swearing. i don't care honestly but, i don't care if if that's what's in your heart and in your mind and in your throat don't because if you censor yourself it kind of goes across the board so i, but, I really don't care yeah, just just go for it yeah i can remember in fourth grade this is pre my dad taking any interest uh, having a little bit of trouble figuring out algebra and just just like some distributive property or something like that and she just couldn't understand it just it was too much for like fractions things like that just too too difficult for pull out the calculator kind of thing um and um that just kind of bled over to in junior high i wasn't really prepared for school and so that's when he really started taking interest because hey your grades aren't perfect you're just you know wow what an awful son you are why was i cursed with such a son with shitty grades now, is that a paraphrase, or is that the way he would talk? That is a paraphrase, but it very much contains the essence of how he would talk. So how would, what would, he, how would he put it? <sighs> I mean, I remember Colin saying basically things like, you know, if I didn't have to put up with all the stress of you having trouble in school, I wouldn't have to drink so much kind of crap. Oh, um, man. Oh, man. He's good. Yeah, I remember there being one time when we had some kind of report in seventh grade, and um, it, you know something I don't even remember what it was on. It was just some typical writing report, and I think I got like a B on it, so not great, not not bad, not great. And it just he looking at it, seeing it, and he was drunk at the time. His face scrunching up, and he lifted it up, and I felt like he was about to hit me with it, and so he just threw it on the ground in kind of a tantrum and stormed off. Um, and then it, it was very much his parenting was the stick, but never the carrot, if that makes sense. But once I got into high school, I somehow I just I think it, maybe his bullying breakthrough broke through because I ended up graduating top of my class at a pretty well-renowned school. So that's why I talk about the, you know, the climbing the peaks of Everest of achievement and, you know, my university. Oh, that, that is a uh, yeah. that is a toxic conclusion, my friend. 
Yeah. No, do you know why? Because, because sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but because his bullying, if I understand your formulation correctly, his bullying worked. Seems to have, yes. Yeah. At least in that sense. Well, that is a, that's a very bad principle to hold in your head. You know, that's like the fight. Have you ever seen the movie Fight Club where they, they take the guy out back at the convenience store and force him to go back to school and do something better with his life or whatever, right? Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, you have in it there that the bullying works. And may, maybe, I doubt it. I doubt the bullying much, works. So then so the question is, what might have happened? Uh, that you changed. It, it, it's very much that uh, I recall multiple cases in the, up until you know my twenties and stuff like that. Uh, just monumental academic success. I mean, I went to a highly prestigious school, double major in economics, biochemistry, um, doubling up thirty units, getting near straight A's, things like that. And then his response was become so. And then um, you know, other similar things uh, of him always being hands off, but me still achieving and him not being impressed. And so I guess, I, I guess, I, I mean, I don't okay, know if that's but me what? Hang on. So what changed that you began to really apply yourself in school? And when did it happen? That would have been starting ninth grade. A little bit in eighth grade, it kind of started going that direction in eighth grade, but really ninth grade. And maybe part of it was just because school at least back then comes a little bit more real in ninth grade than it does in the hand-holding years of like junior high and so on and i once i saw it was actually something that i was particularly good at it became something to gain validation from because uh if i could succeed at that well then i'm not i'm certainly not failing but it can't have been that the bullying worked i i would say because if you yeah, did it to get your if you did it to get your father's approval well, you didn't get that, but you kept going, right? I would not say that I did it solely for that. I would say I did it just kind of for a feeling of self-validation, knowing that I could do it, but then also going to him and say, hey, you know, here's some proof of me doing something that's not, you know, just effing up. Can you acknowledge, at least in this case? And, you know, no. Or right, at but, least this, but this, so it changed grade nine, you're what, like, I don't know, 13 years old or something like that, right? 14. 14. Something like that. Okay, so, but this has been continual since, right? So if you were just doing it to gain his approval, then when you didn't get his approval, a lot of people just collapse back into, you know, just not doing well. Or, so it, it had sure. to be something more internalized if you've kept it going. Sure, fair enough. Okay, yeah, I just, if you're going to have the bullying works thing in your head, uh, it's going to be tricky, <laughs> to put it right. mildly. It's going to be tricky. No, 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 I absolutely understand. So tell me a bit about your parents' relationship. Do you have any idea why they got married? Uh, yeah. Um, how it worked, my mom is, how would I describe her? She's Pretty. very, <laughs> there you go, but very emotionally frail, very dependent, uh, and does not have a whole lot of sense that sh her own opinions matter i actually do think that comes from her own childhood knowing about her parents but uh very much the typical like victim for a an emotional narcissist kind of thing the the emotionally battered housewife if you will um and she was the kind that would be kind of behind the scenes saying hey i understand he's being unfair to you 
when my dad was in the other room, but just stand there quietly or even kind of side with him when he was going off. And as for why they got married, they met in college. Um, they met in college, and I guess I can go kind of personal on it because this is something I had to deal with that very much is, I think, relevant. I know that when they started dating about like 20 or something like that, he was still a virgin. She had been with a couple partners. I don't know how many. I haven't pried about that exactly. Not that whatever. And that he was very resentful of that. And starting, oh, I don't know, a few years later or something like that, he cheated on her, basically saying, well, it's only fair because, you know, you've not saved yourself for me. And then she wanted him to marry him as kind of payback for that. So... Okay, so he was a virgin. Closet. She cheated on. She sorry. She she had partners. No, she he had, was a virgin, and yes. then she, he cheated on her while they were boyfriend girlfriend, saying, "Well, you had men before me," as if that equals right. Some. I mean, he's really he's really brilliantly evil at justifications, right? It's your fault. Sure. I'm drinking. It's your fault. I cheated, right? And then she said, "You have to marry me to make up for the cheating." Yes. And shockingly, the marriage didn't turn out to be happy. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I mean, her words are that she she said, I'm a strong woman, but something about him, you know, just he could control me. And it's like, well, you're kind of contradicting the first part, but I didn't say that verbatim. But and that's not the only time that happened. Um, What do you mean? The reason not the reason I'm in this world was because then when he went off to Harvard MBA, he cheated on her again. And the payment was she wanted a kid. Wow. Good thing he couldn't keep it in his pants, so otherwise I'd just be talking yeah. to myself right now. <laughs> there you go. But uh, definitely I think that played into his resent acting resentful towards me because I was kind of biological anchor in his eyes probably. Are you an only child? I am. And I don't think he couldn't keep cheating? Yeah, there you go. Or he just covered it up better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He took a lot of... Uh, a lot of private trips to, you know, business trips for months at a time. So maybe months? it's maybe not months, but it's called three weeks. Oh, yeah. Going, going to Thailand for another three weeks. Big, big environmental yeah. issue there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Woo. Okay. And how old? Like, Oh, I guess it was, what was it, 2017 you said that, that she wanted was, a divorce and he had a heart attack, right? Correct. And do you know what it was that drove her to want a divorce? Was it? I'm sorry. It was actually Trump's inauguration day, which was kind of weird. Oh, your graduation day from what? No, it was Trump's inauguration day. Oh, Trump's inauguration day. Right, right. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, oh, what made her want a divorce? I think she just got her just beaten, beaten. I know that she had started talking to a prior boyfriend, who probably just reached out to her on social media or something like that some period of time before this in- incident i don't believe they'd ever met again or anything like that uh they're not i think they're still talking but i don't i think it's kind of he's having a little bit like of a midlife crisis and playing the e-girlfriend with her and she's just falling into it but i think that maybe Wait, gave her a little the bit girlfriend i don't understand that he's playing because the the prior boyfriend is a married man and has kids and stuff like that but he's not in any way physically in her life or anything like that. Uh, and I think he's just living out some kind of fantasy of having an e-girlfriend with her. Oh, okay. Okay. I got it. Um, I don't know if they've met at all. If they have, it's been sparingly, 
not that I've, you know, kept track on everything she's done, but um, I think that maybe just gave her just a little bit of a leverage to spring forward, though I will say it was not enough for her not to also throw it on me because apparently she told him I was encouraging her to get divorced as well, which means basically if he hadn't died, I probably would have been put through hell. Wow. So she's still betraying you into adulthood. You're adulthood. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's that's happened again. And a few other times and other cases or whatever, to the point where why say, I think I use the phrase cautious or hands you know, distant or whatever, is I just can't cross anything personal with her. I can't really I can't really involve her in my own personal things because I just don't think that she has the internal fortitude to not spill over if it would in some way or another relieve some kind of fear in her life or something like that. Not that well, I you, just, you, can't, think, you can't trust her because she'd betray you, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, I get that. I understand that. And, and that seems entirely wise. And how, so they were married for like, like 20 years or so? Let's see. Yeah, around there. I mean, I don't remember exact dates, but yeah, I think they got married around 23 and then he died when he was 59. So it's, you know, 25, 26 years. Right. Okay. Did they ever say why they didn't have any other kids? Um, the excuses were, you know, the usual suspects for coming up with excuses, the economy uncertainty, uh, too busy with work. Um, well, do you really want to share Christmas presents with another kid? That kind of yeah. crap. And did you want uh, siblings when you were growing up? Um, I think I had an innate sense of like feeling that I did, but I didn't have it materially in my mind because I very much bonded with animals. You know, we had dogs, and that was kind of the reprieve I could have from my father's unrelenting force or whatever was a dog that you can pretty much rely on as long as it's well trained and you treat it right, that it's not going to do anything negative to you. Really worst thing it might, you know, crap on your rug, but it's not going to put emotional scars that come up 20 years later in you. Oh yeah. No, I mean, there's a, a lot of ways in which dogs are much more reliable than, than people as a whole. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah. And then also that kind of just gets into, you know, me talking about how I've had trouble connecting with people and it's not so much that I, don't get along with people or that I'm like, I'm not very much, I wouldn't say I'm shy. Um, it's more that I have just an intense or not intense, but an underlying kind of distrust of people because in addition to my, my parents, I've run into multiple people that have turned out to be, you know, wolves and sheep's clothing and things like that. And so just the defense mechanism is keep everybody at arm's length. And so very few people get really close and some that I've let get close have been just been sharpening a knife for my back so it it makes me quite i guess there's some part of me that makes me question my ability to suss out people oh no your ability to suss out people is fantastic it's just pointed in the wrong direction right i mean if if you have this consistent pattern of betrayal it means you're very good at figuring out who will betray you you just you just walk mm -hmm. into the wrong direction that's all right you should be walking away and right you you get it okay all right Okay, uh, it's, uh, so what what are the major issues that you're facing uh, at the moment that uh, prompted the email? Um, well, I mean, just the, the spilling over the rage, but just the, in general, just 
I, I am sure, but an underlying thing is not having a firm foundation upon which I can kind of ground myself better other than, you know, I mean, there's obviously building on yourself and improving yourself and self-knowledge, but uh, feeling isolated is a very common theme in my throughout my life. And right now, since the move and before the future move and that, the kind of stuff, I kind of feel like I'm in the boonies with no idea how to meet people, no idea how to suss out people that I should meet. Um, and it, it very much feels like kind of, I'm in the holding pattern, like sitting in a waiting room where I have no idea when the, the number is going to be called because it just seems to be a random order and it's getting very frustrating. And that's, you are one, you are one abstract guy, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting in the, sitting in the waiting room for something, something. Okay. So, so give me something a little more concrete because I can't really work with that level of analogy. I mean, I know I use analogies myself, so I'm not trying to, you know, hassle you about that or whatever, but I mean, so is it practical? Like you'd like, more business partnerships you would like uh, marriage i mean closer friends what, what is it more practically that you would like or need i would very much like some closer friends and definitely in the path of marriage but you know marriage with a compatible partner and i do hope to one day have kids and hopefully raise them completely different from how i was raised learning from experience okay and what's your dating history been um i've just not had much luck I've been told I'm a good-looking guy. I know I'm obviously well-educated and things like that. Um, I was, you know, being in Southern California, I think I was kind of looking in the wrong nest for people that would be compatible with me, and so running into a, a lot of people that were narcissistic in nature, or just kind of um, just looking for like the hookup culture sort of thing, which has never been really anything that I've been into. And then I, after starting about COVID lockdowns, I just kind of detached from all of that. I guess maybe I kept kicking the can down the road um, and then thinking about future prospects of moving and other things to do. But uh, I've, you know, last time I was on a date was February of, I want to say, yeah, February, 2020. Right. Okay. Okay. And um, longest relationship you've had with a, a woman? Uh, if, if you can even count it as that, it's more of being manipulated by a absolute narcissist, but only a couple months. Oh, tell me a little about that. She was uh, a performing arts person. Um, I won't give too many details, but um, very much kind of the worst of the stereotypes of those sorts. And I know she herself came from a troubled background. Um, in fact, her father shared a lot of similarities to me, it sounded like. And uh, very much the kind of BPD opening up with high praise and high, you know, feelings of charm and just having that draw in. And then once she got me to where she wanted, uh, just completely cutting that off and just ghosting all the time and gaslighting and things like that. And eventually I just, I had to say, you're treating me like trash. And she threw a little tantrum and then just cut off contact. Right. I'm sorry about that. And before that? Before that, nothing ever really stuck. Stuck. I mean, I would go on dates, and I'm, you know, I'm not a virgin. I've been with girls, and it's usually I would hope that it could lead into a relationship, and they're looking more for just a short-term fling. So, kind of roles reversed in the stereotype sense. But um, well, it, that's uh, actually not as uncommon as you think. Uh, a lot of men do well, want a longer-term relationship, but a lot of women they can't settle down because they have too many options, right? 
Right. I think that very much came up quite a bit, you know, the going on dates, having seemingly a good connection, the girl being the one to actually pressure to go back to her place. And at the time of me thinking that might be a pathway and nowadays I would just shut that down at the first date or something like that, certainly. But, uh, and then of course, for whatever reason, they just jumped on elsewhere. Right. No, so, I, mean, I remember I had a conversation with a woman many years ago who was talking about how you know, terrible it was that the women in a lot of Islamic countries that the women have to like cover up, you know, get to cover themselves up. And I said, yeah, I mean, I understand that. That's, you know, not, not, uh, it's not free, right? It's not liberty. But I said in the West, in the West, uh, the women can dress, you know, they do have usually short shorts and they bare their bellies and all that kind of stuff. And I said, I don't have any particular objection to that from a moral standpoint. But the problem is that by advertising themselves in such a sexual manner, uh, they generally will have trashy guys interested in them. They they can't settle down. And, you know, the phrase alpha widows, right? These women, you, you yeah. a woman can have sex with a guy who's a couple of notches above her in the market value, but she can't lock him down. She can't get him. Like women control access to sex, men control access to marriage, right? And so I said, you know, you can you can get as mad at it as you want, but, you know, that, that those cultures are having, you know, four kids and we're having one. Right, four right. kids or family, we're having one. So it really doesn't matter what you think of it. What matters is what is sustainable from an evolutionary standpoint. And um, of course, you got entirely offended. And, oh, you're in support of us. Like, no, I'm just talking about the facts of, of what's going on. I mean, there's no way they're going to look at our system and say, yeah, that's the way to go, man. It's, it's really well, working certainly. out for them, right? Ours are certainly not sustainable. There's you know, something to say about output being less than input. It's going to catch up with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and I, yeah, I sorry, grew up in the. I grew up in the a very wealthy Southern California town, so very much, you know, you're kind of Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian wannabe types. A lot of those galore and that kind of stuff. So, it's like that's why I say, uh, kind of one of the worst places to be looking for a more traditional person. Well, and and in Southern California, you decide to hook up with a performance artist, um, for which for which the sympathy may not be massive, but of course, you know, you're a young man, and it's not like you got well trained in how to have a relationship, right? Right. Well, I mean. There's a saying that, uh, you know, there's nobody more evil than an actress, not that she was an actress. Right, right. I've never heard that saying, but um, I don't think I've ever dated an actress. I dated a woman who wanted to be an actress. Uh, it's something, it's... something in the Hollywood thing, like date an axe murderer before you date an actress. Right, right, right. Okay, so you have no functional or practical experience in relationships, right? No, not in any long terms. Well, I mean, if all you've done is dodged a psycho narcissist BPD chick, then you know you you have a. Um, it's not like it's not like you've trained to be a runner if you've fled a predator, right? So fair enough. Okay, so uh, and and don't tell me your actual age, but what is your range? I'm in, uh, uh, I guess, late twenties to early thirties. Yeah, so I mean, you're kind of hosed if you don't do it quick, right? Mm -hmm. so why has it taken you you know a decade of adulthood to i guess really try and solve this problem um well i think part of it was when under I, I was letting myself be under the thumb of my father and i didn't really want to bring anybody else into that i remember very much when he was still alive thinking i never want to get married i never want to have kids and so I think I very much had a kind of an awakening. No, that's an effect, though. That's not the cause. Yeah. No, that's an effect. Because if you want marriage enough, 
then you would find a way to deal with that, right? You'd either stop seeing your dad or you explain to your you know, girlfriend to be that your dad is mean or, you know, you you oh, have I, minimal contact. So th that's not I like saying, well, it's because of my dad. That just says that there's not enough of a desire. And I guess that's my question, right? Yeah. No, I don't think I wanted it then. I don't think I really started wanting it until after he had passed. And so that means, I guess, uh, I, I allowed myself to kind of grow outward. And actually, I didn't really have much autonomy back in that time. So once gaining autonomy, that's when it started, the desire started coming to me. And so I guess you could say it's no, been about four to, years. Look, of look, look, let's be frank, right? So we're dudes, right? So you probably start and push, push back hard at the age of 13 or 14. I mean, in your mind, right? Because you've got yeah, the hormones, no. you've got the, the physical size, you recognize at some point, as we all do, that you're getting older and stronger, and he's getting uh, older and weaker, right? So you've got, you got that going on, right? So with, probably sure. 13 or 14, right? And part of your, you know, FU was, was you know, uh, to hell with you, I'm, I am going to do well in school. So you, you had this rebellious streak going like a decade and a half ago, right? Mm -hmm. So what I need to understand, and I would suggest you do too, what, what, what I need to understand is, okay, so it's 15 years. Where was the rebellion going on there? Where's, you know, because you say you've got a problem with your temper and all of that, which I, I would agree, but I would think it's on the other side, like you're not angry enough. Mm -hmm. Because somewhere in your head, you're circling this planet of a decade and a half, of like 15 years of not rebelling. Right. Right. And that's what we got to figure out, because there's no point me, you know, giving you whatever sort of thoughts or feedback if we can't deal with whatever the hell kept you stalled for 15 years. Sure. And that's what I now saying. It's because of my dad. It's like, no, no, no. Your dad would be an excuse at that point. Certainly after you become an adult. So what was it that kept you stalled, do you think? Well, I know for a long time I. And it's something I had to deal with in therapy. I had a resent for women in general. And I do think it stemmed from my mom, a feeling that they're very weak um, and that they don't, they don't like stand up for you or not even stand up for you, but even stand up for themselves. And just kind of a lack of, I, I didn't go into like the whole, like the, the direction some people go is the whole like pickup artist, like predator way. Mine was more of just almost just not wanting anything to do with them, not really seeing the value, if that makes sense. That's something I really had to start recognizing and dealing with it probably when I was about 21 was when I started going no, to a therapist. No, this is also an effect. I'm sorry to be annoying. I really do apologize for this, but that's also an effect. Okay. Right. So you wanted to avoid something and therefore you said all women are like my mom. Now, clearly, clearly not all women are like your mom, no. right? Like you were yeah, aware absolutely. of that, right? Right. Okay. So saying well i just thought all women were like my mom the question is no 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 why why did you think that all women were like your mom which is clearly false and you're an intelligent guy right so why did you elevate women to the category of they're all like my mom that's the real reason the the the, the real oh. cause like why did you stand to your dad's thumb why did you imagine or fantasize that all women are like your mom which is so counter rational and counter factual that sure. it's got to be something, it's got to be serving some other need or preference. And if we can't figure that out, I don't know what progress we can make, if that makes sense. Hmm. Okay. Um. I, I well, can give you an example of what I mean if I'm being way too ob obscure. Because, you know, I asked yeah, you for examples earlier, help. right? Yeah. 
that might help. Sure, sure. Okay. So um, for myself, since, you know, I can t- talk about myself at least with some reasonable level of authority, I hope. So for myself, I could say, well, you know, but I um, uh, I didn't really know any quality, quality women. And I, I would improve. Every girlfriend of mine would get better and better. But it was still incremental rather than the huge leaps that I needed. And I could say, well, you know, but I had grown up and I didn't have any uh, instruction from my father. And I had other family, male family members who were giving me bad instruction. And I didn't notice a lot of great marriages and blah, blah, blah. Right. Now, all of those could be they're like half answers and half answers are the worst kind. Right. And I, I lived with those half answers for a long time. But the reality, the, the sort of real reality was, okay, so I'll, maybe I was sort of in your camp. I think I was a little bit in your camp, like, you know, um, women, the, the major value that women bring is is sex, and um, then you just sort of put up with the rest or something like that. I mean, and and that's, I, I could say, well, that's because the only thing that my mother brought to the table was her physical attractiveness and all that. And I could say all of that, but but none of that is is particularly rational. Emotionally, we understand, okay, well, she's your mother and she's going to be a template and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, for me, it's like the rotary dial phone, right? Like I grew up up with rotary dial phones, which, you know, you probably read about in history books or whatever, right? But when it comes to upgrading, yeah, we went from rotary dial, we went from rotary dial to push button, and then we went from push button to wireless, and then we went from wireless to car phones, and car phones to, <laughs> I had a BlackBerry for business at one point that was just text only, and, you know, I, I'm constantly upgrading, right? I don't say, well, I grew up with rotary dial phones, so that's my template, and the reason I never upgraded my phone from rotary dial is because that's what I grew up with, like, we don't live like that, right? We don't, sure. I mean, you, you're you're going to Eastern Europe, right? So uh, you're like, well, it's not Southern California. So you can make changes. You can upgrade. You can change things, right? Uh, sort of like saying, well, I have to get into my uh, um, ACDC schoolboy pants because that's what I grew up with. It's like, no, no, you outgrow that stuff, and we outgrow a lot of stuff, and we're perfectly happy to to upgrade. And yet when it comes to this stuff, we're like, well, you know, but the, that's what I grew up with, and right then, then everything changes, and then we don't upgrade, and we don't challenge the irrationality of it. So for me, uh, the answer was actually, I mean, embarrassingly simple. Once I realized it, is that um, other people, other people in my life needed me to have low standards. That was the tension. That was the battle. I, 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 I desperately needed to have higher standards, but other people in my life desperately needed me to have lower standards, and I conformed to what they wanted and imagined that the idea somehow came from me. So Uh the trashy women or the trashy people in my life desperately needed me to think that my mother was all women, (laughs) you know, and, and so that I wouldn't raise my standards. And so it's it was clearly to would have been to my benefit, to my massive benefit to raise my standards. But it would have been to the people around me who wanted to exploit me, and I don't just mean emotionally, but also financially, the people who wanted to exploit me desperately needed me to extrapolate from individual shitty people to everyone's shitty, right? And that way I wouldn't wouldn't get away, right? I mean, if, if, you, were, uh, if you were in a prison and you knew that if you went through that wall, you'd be free forever, well, you're going to dig out from that wall, right? But if if... 
you believe or you accept or you know that outside that wall is just another prison and outside that wall is just another prison then and it goes on forever then you would never bother trying to escape right so if you can universalize so the world is a prison it's prison planet right then you'd never try and break out and so the people had very concrete needs to keep me around because i'm entertaining i'm economically productive i'm uh, and they don't have to raise their own standards of behavior as long as they can keep getting things from me. So it wasn't me who came up with this idea that everyone's like my mom. It was my entire family and, and social structure, like everyone, 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 in business, in, in f- friendships, in my family, in dating, everyone around me was massively invested in me extrapolating from individuals to everyone. In other words, the prison guards desperately needed me to believe that out there was just another prison and out there was just another prison, right? And and you will hear this kind of stuff. You know, the only common denominator in your, your, all your bad relationships is you. And, and there's no, I mean, so it wasn't me who came up with the idea that, let's say, all women are like my mom. It was my mom who came up with that idea and gave it to me, and I was just used to obeying her because violence. So it benefited her. You don't need to worry about being a good guard if you can convince the prisoner that there's no such thing as a not prison. Everything is a prison, and you break out of this prison, there's just another prison. And so, I mean, there's entire industries out there that, you know, basically human beings are dysfunctional. Marriage is hard. Relationships are tough. You know, it's like, no, they're not. They're supposed to be. You already have a job. Your relationship, your marriage, your love is supposed to be where you recharge and end up in a much better place from your job, right? Um, it's like going to work on your vacation and saying, well, vacations are tough. It's like they're not supposed to be. This is supposed to be kind of relaxing, right? So that's what, like, so you're giving me the story at the level of, well, you know, I, uh, I was ground down by my dad. And it's like, well, yeah, so you knew you were ground down by your dad, so why the hell didn't you get out? Right Or, well, I guess I kind of thought that women were kind of like my mom. And it's like, but you, you, you were destroyed to some degree, at least in the past, by that idea, right? That idea that all women are like your mom was incredibly toxic for you. Now, we don't just wake up in the morning and say, I wonder what I can do that's really toxic for myself. Maybe your dad when he's ordering drugs from fucking Russia or something, right? But we don't wake up in the morning when we're young and say, oh, what's, what's a belief system that I could put together in my head that's really going to fuck me? That's really going to wreck me. That's really going to harm me and screw me up. We don't do that. It's for the benefit of other people. So you say, well, I extrapolated from my mom. It's like, I bet you didn't. I bet you didn't. But if you take ownership for that, then I think you're missing the real sinister criminals in the equation, if that makes sense. Okay. I get well. Yeah, I guess that probably opens me up to a question. Um, I mean, I guess that it, I understand that certainly in the abstract. And I understand the concept. I guess maybe I'm not connecting all the pieces together, or at least seeing the path forward actionable from my end. Okay, so now you've gone from Mister Abstract to now I need concretes. <laughs> That's a defense, right? Just so you know, I'm, you've probably heard it a million times in these calls. Just just pointing it out. It's totally fine. I'm just just pointing Fair it enough. out. Okay, so here's the question. Who benefits from you imagining that all women are like your mom? I'm not certain I see. I mean, I think the angle that 
if if you have an answer in your mind, the angle would probably be you're thinking my mom. That's the only one I could think of as the common denominator of what we've talked about. But I don't necessarily see that. But maybe I'm just not seeing it. Not see. Sorry, that was a quite quite a lot of language there that didn't convey sorry. a huge amount of meaning to me. If you could take another run at it. I'm not concretely seeing the answer to that question at this time. However, maybe I've got a blind spot. Okay, so if your mom is all women, then there's no point upgrading from your mom, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if all cars break down every 50 miles, all cars break down every 50 miles, what, there's no point selling a car that breaks down 50 miles to get a new one, right? Right. So if you raise the standards... Who is harmed by that in your life? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, I guess the, is the question my mom feeling worried I'm going to, you know, finger quote, abandon her? Is that kind of the angle that you're pushing or that you're <laughs> suggesting, I should say? Uh, oh, my. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I'm meeting a little bit of your dad here, if you don't mind me saying so. I mean this with all affection and respect, mm. but that was kind of passive aggressive that I'm somehow pushing you somewhere. I'm just putting forward a theory, right? I'm sorry. I, I missed word of that. I apologize. No, no. Listen, I, I'm glad that you're punchy. I really am. That's totally fine. And and you should be punchy because this is a landmine here for right. you, for everyone. This is a landmine, right? Sure. Who else is in your life, right? Let's Let's take a breather from your mom. Who else would you consider close who's in your life? I have um, a couple close friends that I don't really see very often. They live in different states. Um, one is still in California. Another lives in another state. And um, I talk to them regularly. Um, they're both married guys. Uh, well, one is the kind of quasi-married. One is for sure married. Um, I don't know if I necessarily cross streams on any kind of relationship talks with them much, though. Okay. Who cares about you enough to confront you on this stuff and, and help? Um, so far, I think I'm the only of the people in my life. I'm the only one, only one that's self-critical to a fault many times, but I'm the only one that has to, you know, look in the mirror and figure out, you know, this ain't working how I want it to work. Let's try to fix it somehow. So you don't have people in your life who are close to you to the point where they would sort of challenge you on these these issues, right? I think they would challenge me if I were to manifest uh, self-destructive behavior in the form of doing drugs or, you know, doing other sorts of things that they see as, you know, a path of whatever. If I were to start you know, chasing particularly nasty women that are going to take me for all my money and that kind of stuff they would warn me about oh, that on, kind of stuff on. didn't didn't you already chase a nasty woman uh yeah and i was being warned by one of them and you know of course i was being the naive oh i know better kind of thing and i didn't okay okay that was one of the, the one that's married i kind of told him about the situation um i mean he basically said this sounds like my ex-girlfriend run and I said, oh, I know better. You know, it's not like her, which yeah, it was just she just happened to be prettier and uh, smarter, but not uh, morally better. OK, got it. Got it. But as far as talking about kind of deep, abstract things, um, well, I, I wouldn't 
necessarily say the people I talk to really are interested in those kinds of concepts very much either. I think they're kind of more working class sorts of guys, kind of, you know, shoot from the hip kind of guys. Got it. Okay. What about your mother? Who does she have in her life who is willing to tell her the truth, even if it's uncomfortable? Uh, as far as I'm aware, it would be only me. Um, I know that she and her brothers are kind of living in a state of self-delusion about their upbringing. And uh, I don't really know anything about her relationship with that guy that she talks to, other than that it's only through electronic means. So I hardly count that as a close relationship. But for all I know, it could be very deep. And does she work? She's retired now. But she's in her 60s, right? Uh, late 50s, yes. early 60s? Early 60s. Early to mid Okay, so does she have any? Does she have any friends, or really? No, I mean, part of it is to be fair. We just moved. She did have friends back in California, and I don't think that they were particularly good friends with her because they're a lot. She worked in a public school. I won't say exactly what, whatever. But uh, and you know, Cal, SoCal public school that's just left as central, and I think that they were really making her feel bad about herself for being a conservative Christian. Uh, and that's part of the reason I pushed her to move. And they, she pushed herself to move, but I very much encouraged it. And that's why I helped her in the process. I'm here currently as a temporary thing, just as I get my affairs in order. But I'm also you know, planning on being out of here by the end of the year. Okay. So if your mom doesn't have you, who does she have? Currently, not much. And that's why I do pressure her to, or I do pressure, that's not the wrong word, but I do suggest that she would be happy if she started going to church again. Sorry, why isn't she going to church? She's a Christian, right? Uh, she just kind of stopped. Well, first, like when I was a kid, my dad bullied her for being a Christian, so she just stopped, and then she just kind of never picked it up again. And I've been saying for a while that she, I think she'd be happier if she started going to like a local Methodist church or something like that. I've even offered to go with her the first couple times in case she's you know shy or whatever. But um, you know, obviously, long term, it would be for her to be there and not me. Right. Okay. So she, for your living memory, she's had very little to do with the church, right? She did when I was very young, and it cut off at about 10 or 11 for me. I used to go right. to church twice uh, twice a week, and then we all just kind of collectively stopped. Um, my relationship with religion soured, but I think that was more me projecting my father's image onto my conception of God. But that, no, I've, I've come around on that in various ways. Uh, that's a whole deeper talk, but... Uh, um, I've, well, I've got my it, it may be a deeper cut, but not deeper than what we're talking about. Maybe deeper than. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So your mother has done the classic single son of a mother thing, right? Which she's got mm -hmm. you. And so she's not working as hard to have other people, right? Right. Okay. Now that is, um, that is an unbearable and horrible amount of pressure to put on a son. How much has she expressed frustration or concern or anxiety over you being in your late 20s, early 30s and undating? I've even brought it up multiple times. And no, no. How much she, has she oh, brought it up? Oh, none. Okay. So do you know why? Yeah, I think I know the direction you're going. You're saying she doesn't want me to find a, a replacement. You're a mama's boy. Hmm. And I don't mean this like it's some judgment or choice that you made, but 
I mean, I wrote about this in my novel many years ago, you know, like this depressing decline, you know, like six kids, five kids, four kids, three kids. Now you're the one kid. And for you, it looks like zero at the moment, right? Right. So she would rather burn up your future than raise her standards in the present. No, I, I do think that's a fair assessment. Oh, I know I it's think a fair it's assessment. I know it's a fair uh, assessment. That certainly is an effect. I would say that very much is part of my uh, inner drive to, you know, F off to the other side of the planet is I've noticed that I have lived abroad before. Uh, when I'm distant, I have things start kind of going a lot better in many ways. And so there's clearly some kind of subconscious whatever link there. And right. uh, do, you, do you want to know why you haven't been snapped up? You're an attractive guy. You're well-educated. You're successful, right? Mm -hmm. Do you want to know why you, women aren't dating you? Sure. Because women scan the living shit out of you to look for the maternal claw. A woman desperately needs you to be loyal to her and not your mother. Now, if she gets a sense from you, and women are incredibly good at this, it's part of the general wild psychic Ouija board ability of the female heart. Right. So women are scanning you, you know, yeah, wow, wow, he is attractive. Wow, 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 blah, 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 right? And then they say, well, he is single. Boy, that's kind of unusual. I wonder why he's single. Right? And then something in your demeanor, something in your turn of phrase, something in your presentation, something in your approach, something in your aura, whatever it is. And they're like, oh, mama's boy. Now, mm -hmm. do you know why they can't get involved with you then? Uh, they're not wanting to have to play tug of war or have somebody, you know, pointing direct attention elsewhere. Well, they're not lesbians. Mm -hmm. And because they're not lesbians, they want to marry a man, not a woman. But if you're a mother's boy, then you are going to be more dominated by a woman than your own masculinity, and they want a man. Right. And again, I say this with all sympathy, and it's not like some fault of yours, right? This is just the way that not just your family, but society is as a whole. The emasculation of the modern man is uh, a cancer on the scrotum of the world at the moment. Sure. So a woman is like, okay, well, if there's a conflict between his mother and me, he's going to choose, bing, 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 his mother, right? Or rather, his mother is going to run him, and I'm going to be in this weird relationship with a guy who's supposed to be a guy, but it's a sock puppet for his mom. Okay, fair. And so women don't want to have anything to do with that. Mm -hmm. You can understand right. why, right? Sure. No, that makes sense. I mean, if you met a daddy's girl, right? If you met a girl who had a father like your dad and he dominated her completely, what would you think? Would you be like, yeah, let's get married. I can't wait to have someone like my dad back in my life. Oh, well, I already have in a sense, but yeah, we saw how that turned out. So yeah, you're right now. now oh, you mean I with the be... uh, performance girl from Southern California? Exactly. Um, yeah, you should so, have a dad like your dad. Okay, so you understand, right? Very much. Yeah, and so, I mean, I was obviously more naive then, but I would, you know, turn and run. In fact, I have turned and run for girls I've talked to that showed those exact signs since then. You know, sometimes you just have to be burnt once to see it. 
Yeah, see, we, we, want to, we want to date the people themselves. Like, we want to date Sally, right? We want to date Sally, not Sally as long as her dad doesn't disagree with anything. Right. Sally until the parental alter ego is activated. And but this is particularly true for the cross-gender parent, right? Because you've heard me like do the role plays with, with people and they play their moms or whatever, right? So if, yep. if you sense that there's a very strong male alter ego in Sally that comes out in the relationship quite a bit, it's going to be really tough to stay attracted to her because you're not gay. Sure. Right? So you want Sally, the female, not Sally, the male. If that makes sense. Oh, no, I follow. Yeah, sorry. Right. Silence didn't necessarily mean uh wasn't following. No, no, no sweat. No sweat. So, um, I don't think that you can offer enough independent masculinity for a woman to stay attracted to you. Uh-huh. Because a man who's in a sense, being dragged around by the ape springs, uh, the, by the sorry, by the the apron strings of his mother, is not something that a woman can, I think, feel comfortable with and trust. If that makes sense, uh, I follow. Yeah, and okay. you know, like I said, this uh, while maybe haven't you know come to terms with all of it and whatever, this definitely is what is at least partially what has put the fire under my feet to get to a completely you know different frame of mind, different part of the world, that sort of thing. Well, sure, but and if you don't understand these patterns, then you will gain some relief from this. Sure. But not it won't solve the problem. Mm. And that's I guess why you're calling, right? Yep, no, I mean, I wouldn't be calling her if I didn't wasn't hoping to somehow, you know, push push the needle forward. Now, I find myself mildly annoyed, which doesn't mean you're being annoying. I'm just telling you sort of my, my experience, because it feels like we're discussing a fucking grocery list here, not your life. And I feel more passionate. It sounds like or I feel like I feel more passionate about your life than you are. Because I'm getting very much. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No. Well, you know, but, but, but right. It's very surface level. Now, you say you've got a temper, right? I, I don't want to keep provoking you, <laughs> but I'd like to see this, this imaginary temper of yours because you understand that you've got 15 years of being kind of screwed over here by your father and your mother, and that's just since you were in your teens, right? And your mother being perfectly content with you having no life. No romantic life, no particular future, no purpose for living over time. Totally fine with that. No issues with that at all. And I guess I'm just a little curious where this, you know, famous temper is. You know, you smashed a lamp when your mom said something mean, right? I'm pointing out how you've been kind of pillaged, exploited. And it's very much like, oh, no. And again, I'm not trying to insult you or anything. I'm just sort of pointing out that I can't be more, I can't be more passionate about your life than you can. I mean, I can be, but it would be pointless, right? Oh, yeah. And you're absolutely right. That, um, that's something other people have noticed about me too. I can only ascribe that. This is not me 
in any way discounting what you're saying or any way uh, disagreeing with you, but I can only uh, say that uh, very much I just kind of embodied the take a very kind of neutral emotional tone when talking to people a lot of the time sort of thing to the point where people sometimes interpret it as coming across aloof when I don't internally think of myself as being aloof and that's some disconnect and that very well could be I'm sure it very much is related to something about what we're discussing now um as far as um you know the temper it it very much is the sort of thing like I described where I'm pretty you know mellow pretty I don't know if Zen's quite the right word, but certainly don't uh, emote largely until a few little cases like that that just cause a boil over. And that's kind of where you've got something that's been compacted, that powder keg that comes you know, over, the, over the, the edge of that. My God, you're an intellectual through and through. Dear Lord. Because you, you can, I mean, listen, you're obviously a very smart guy and your verbal skills are off the charts. I get all of that. But here's the thing, man. If you understand all of this about yourself, where's the passion? Like you're giving me these big explanations about why this and maybe I come across as aloof and some people have said this, but it's because of this and it doesn't happen because of that. It's like, okay, well, if you know all that shit, why are you so passionless about your own life? If you know this, right? If you know, I think it's just a bunch of words, to be honest. And I, I'm not saying this in any negative or hostile way. I think, honestly, I think it's just a bunch of words. I'll know when you feel passionate about your life, not when you give me some abstract explanation that clearly hasn't helped you very much, but when you actually get passionate about your life. Sure. I guess what, I, what I'm curious is, and I'm not throwing this back at you, I'm just kind of genuinely curious, how would that manifest itself uh, in kind of a more healthy way would you envision? You mean how would emotions manifest themselves? Is it more like kind of the, the verbal tone that you're, um, you're thinking? That okay, tell me, what do you feel at the moment? Um, very much the what I was describing. I think it is a little bit of like the defense mechanism as you described of shutting down negative emotions into neutrality. So okay, that that's, I can... that's 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 a whole bunch of bullshit explanation. I asked you what you feel, and you're like, "Well, I got this defense as to shutting down my emotions." So that you're telling me what you're not feeling. I'm asking you, what do you feel? Not what's your explanation as to why your feelings may be deficient in some abstract philosophical or psychological sense, which is completely disconnected, by the way, and disconnecting from me. Right. My question is, what do you feel at the moment? Um, a mild, like very mild sense of kind of Maybe despair is not quite the right word, but a little bit of a depression, but just kind of very slight. Okay. Anything else? Um, nothing really stands out. If I were to dig, I could probably find a little bit of some kind of resentment at something somewhere. Huh, probably there, me at the moment, but that's totally fine. So yeah. tell me a little bit about the depression. Did it Was it from the beginning of the call? Did it come up more recently? When did it start to arise? Uh, it probably started, uh, you know, midway through um, when you kind okay. of probably that. probably is not an answer. Probably is a statement that you don't have to stand behind. Uh huh. Okay, so if you give me probably, I'll just say that is that is not an answer. Now, if you don't know when the feeling started, you can say I don't know, but probably uh, is is nothing that can be worked with. If that makes sense. 
if I could pinpoint it, it would be when uh, we started identifying that I was taking evasive verbal you know, cues. And I agreed with that within myself. And I saw, yes, I was dodging things. Um, and that it wasn't an intentional thing. And part of it made me a little disappointed in myself that I was doing that because sometimes I like to think that I can speak forward. Uh, sorry, are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. I'm sorry, I didn't get the end of that sentence. It sounded like you cut off. So if you could just repeat it. So, yeah, just basically that I guess I kind of, when you pointed out that I was indeed kind of being evasive in my language, I agreed with that internally. And uh, I guess it caused a little bit of di disappointment in myself that I wasn't speaking as uh, off the cuff and, you know, straight and narrow as I had hoped to from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, my actual comment was not that you were being evasive but that you were being aggressive when you sort of okay. said that i was pushing some kind of agenda or something like that which would be a um an aggressive thing to say uh, and and there's nothing wrong with being aggressive at all right and if i was pushing some kind of agenda it'd be perfectly fine to to point that out but putting it out in a sort of oblique manner uh is is passive aggressive right sure and So you're not overweight, right? But do you know the people who lose weight? The people who lose weight just can't fucking stand being fat anymore. They're so horrified and disgusted by it. They're like, just cannot stand being fat anymore. Right. Sure. No, I follow. So what I listen for... What I listen for is the people who are desperate to change. Do you think you sound desperate to change or do you sound resigned? I, well, I'm certainly not coming, I'm, I'm not being passionate, so that would imply resigned. Yeah, so what is what is the opposite of passion for you or, or, or the opposite of this kind of emotional connection? What is the opposite of the enthusiasm that emotions represent? Um, I mean, just this sort of neutrality, a uh, um, well, the lacking of the force to cause the change. Wait, is that a question? I'm not sure if you're asking or saying. Uh, that might have been as much of a question as it was a, a a statement. Okay, so this is why your intellectualism is a great deal of, it's a great strength for you, and I'm not trying to criticize it at all. I mean, Lord knows I've got an intellectual streak myself, so I'm not trying to say in any negative sense that you are an intellectual in this way. Okay, do you know what the opposite of passion is? Death. Uh, okay. It's death. It's death. To be passionless is about as close to the grave as you can be. And in fact, it's worse than death in a way, because at least when you're dead, you don't have the expectation or, in a sense, the responsibility to be passionate about something. Right. Now, so it's not it's not just death in, in the spiritual sense or the emotional sense, I suppose, but it's death in the physical sense. Because if you can't get passionate, you won't be attractive. If you can't be attractive, 
you can't have kids. Right. So it is death. I guess that's my question. Why are you choosing death? What is so horrible about passion that you'd rather sail off to a genetic grave, leaving no footprint of yourself on the world? What is so terrible about passion that you choose death? And not just death like you go out and and drive a uh, motorcycle into a brick wall, but death like you get to die for the next 50 years. Because you're in your late 20s, early 30s, so you've got 50 years to go. It's a half century of not really caring about life, of not really having any passion. That's a prison sentence that's just about worse than anything I could ever imagine. So what is your relationship to passion that you choose this solitary confinement, almost literally, right? You're very alone, right? Why would you choose this solitary confinement over passion? Why is this preferable to feeling? The only speculation that I would have would be, and it gets back to, I think it's not the the root cause. It's more of the surface symptom, as you mentioned about something else. But uh, just kind of, um, I guess, just never really having developed many passion things because uh, I guess in many ways conditioned to not be passionate about anything because being passionate about something was a target that could be bullied on. And I'm not saying that's an excuse. I'm saying I think I've let that carry on into my adulthood. Okay, give me an example when you were a kid, please, of when you were passionate about attacking. I was really into karate when I was a little kid. Um, got up to, I want to say, I was in Taekwondo. I don't remember what belt. Fairly high up. I wasn't the best. Uh, I was just kind of okay. I started going to competitions, and my dad... I remember once, I think I got like fifth place out of 10, so hardly stellar, but it was just, it really wasn't meant to be a competition in my mind. It was just for fun. And the dad, my dad saying, yeah, you know, whatever. He didn't even, he didn't even attend the thing and you didn't, you didn't win. So what do I care? And then I just remember just losing interest in it and stopped going probably when I was about 10. That would be just an example. I wouldn't say, I don't know if that's a passion, but maybe as a kid, it was a passion, but, uh, that's just a very early one I can remember. But then just the things about, you know, being passionate about trying to succeed in school. And then I didn't, I guess I didn't let it stop me, but, uh, just no, uh, it, it was no positive or no like praise when there was success. However, in the slightest bit of failure, you know, say with looking like maybe I'd get a B in a class or something is like, Oh, well, see, I knew it. I knew it. You couldn't keep it up. Okay. So that answers a question which I appreciate and raises another question which you will appreciate, although probably not right now. Sure. You have as the dominoes, right? You have as your dominoes that your father didn't show interest in your stuff, so you gave up showing interest in it, right? That seems to be the case in a lot of places, yes. Why is that causal? See, you, you have these dominoes, right? Well, my father did this, and therefore I'm like that. That's not true, though. I mean, there's this old story, right? The old story of the, the twins, right? The twins who grew up, their father was an alcoholic. 
right? And one of them became a teetotaler. He wouldn't drink at all, right? Because he said, oh my God, I saw my dad and what that does. And, you know, to hell with that, right? Like I'm not, I'm not touching alcohol, right? Now, the other twin said, oh yeah, I became an alcoholic because my father was an alcoholic and it's genetic, right? And you said this earlier, you said, man, am I ever prone to genetic addiction? So I don't touch anything, right? Except you drink a bit too much, right? Yep. Right. See, you are ascribing causality of your personality to your environment. Why? That gives you no choice, no power, no possibility for change. Because the past is irrevocable. No time machines, no alternate paths, no quantum leaps, no doorways to another dimension where something is different, right? So if the past is just written on you and you're just like, hey, man, it's like when I write on a book. If I write in my notebook and I come back 10 years later, the words are still there. Nothing's changed because I just the notebook is a passive thing that I write on. And if you're just like a passive thing that history writes on, why would you choose that? Why wouldn't you sit there and say, oh, my God, I know how painful it is. You're absolutely correct. When people, when people don't care about what I care about, I know how painful that is, so I'm never going to do that. Oh, sorry. Um, no, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. It's a betrayal to myself that I shouldn't be doing to myself. Um, that it's it's not on him; it's on me. And uh, obviously, I have the ability to to break the mold of what dominoes he wanted to lay up, or subconsciously wanted to lay up, whatever. Uh, in some regards, but others, I'm letting them them fall the way that they were placed. And so clearly that doesn't mean I have it's no an excuse. to. Yeah. You are afraid not of your father's disapproval, but of your abdication of free will. Right. In other words, you've taken the, the shit that happened to you as a child, which I hugely sympathize with and was terrible. I tear terrible stuff. And you've said, well, you know what that gives me? great fucking excuses and I'll tell you exactly why I'm pursuing this very focused line of questioning it's from something you said right at the beginning of course what did you say when your mother said I just wish I could rely on you what was your impulse what did you think what did you want to do something to the effect of do you just wish I was dead and then the kind of the dark fantasy about kind of living it out, though, you know, obviously no attempt. Now, do you understand? Do you understand that this is not a fantasy at all? That you are kind of living like you're not alive. Right. No, see, you don't just get to say right. I mean, you can if you want. Come <laughs> you, on, that's, that's an MOAB, right? On that, your life. Uh, and you're just giving me, uh, yeah, interesting, huh? Okay, yeah, I, th I think I see where you're coming from. That's that's interesting, right? And I'm trying to shake you out of the grave here. Your father gave himself, you, what you inherited from your father is excuses. That's what you don't see. That's what you inherited from your father. Is excuses. 
workers who say, well, I can't be enthusiastic because my father would attack me for my enthusiasm. Okay, let's say that that's true. It seems true at the time. If you know that, why haven't you changed it? But no, what you do is you say, well, I'm like this because of my father, and therefore I don't have to change. I don't have to confront it. I don't have to alter it. And the funny thing is you say of all your friends, you know, I'm the only self-critical one. Really? I would say that self-criticism is something that remains rather abstract in your life. Oh, I wouldn't say that I'm the only self-critical one. I'd say I'm the one that's more interested in abstract concepts. No, you did say that you were the only real self-critical one among your friends. Okay, then I misspoke. I was wrong then. That's fine. It, it doesn't, I, I'm not going to quibble about what was said half an hour ago. But here's the thing, man. I can tell you also why you don't. you haven't become a father yet. Mm-hmm. What are you doing in the face of my enthusiasm for the conversation? I guess I'm detaching a bit. I mean, I'm sure I come across as that. You are attempting to crush my enthusiasm. You are attempting to squelch my enthusiasm. I am very enthusiastic for this conversation. I'm very enthusiastic for your future. I'm very enthusiastic for you to become a father and a husband. Yeah, no... And you are trying to piss all over my enthusiasm by giving me dead voice responses. And I, I say this not as a criticism. I'm not, I'm not trying to put you down in any way, shape, or form at all, just so you understand no, that. I, I'm identifying I this. Yeah, I do recognize exactly what you're saying. It's, and obviously, it's not a it's not conscious thing. And I'm <laughs> No, no, of course. Yeah, listen. Yeah. You, you're, you're trying to stay reasonable and focused and listen attentively, right? I mean, to your conscious mind, right? But you understand my... Uh, For me, this conversation is Taekwondo. And you are your dad saying, yeah, okay. So what? Interesting, but who cares? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm an, I'm an adult, so it's not a huge thing for me, but here's the problem, man. Do you know how enthusiastic children are? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, and you can't exactly come back at them with blandness because they'll just view that as being cold. That's, but I mean, you will. Right. But you will. You will. And you give yourself big convoluted intellectual explanations as to why you're doing that, or maybe you won't. But you see, this is the price. The price of you not having free will is you're going to replicate your father's behavior to some degree or another. Now, listen, obviously, I'm not saying you're your father, right? You're not insulting me. You're not like, you're just some cult incompetent hack on the internet and all that, right? But you are squelching enthusiasm in me because it is a threat to you. Now, the free will response to your father squelching enthusiasm in you as a child is to say, well, Jesus, if he's squelching enthusiasm, enthusiasm must be the greatest thing ever because he's one of the worst dads on the planet. So whatever, (laughs) I'll give you an example, right? 
my mother, did she like rational empirical philosophy? Well, my guess would be absolutely not, because that oh, would be she counter to what it. you have. She hated it. She hated it. So I could sit there and say, well, you know, my crazy mother doesn't like rational empirical philosophy, so I guess I won't pursue it because she hates it. Or I could say, I found sunlight for the vampire, <laughs> right? I found the holy cross that keeps these undead at bay, right? Right. So because definitely. If I, my mother is evil as she was, then what she hates must be good. Or at least probably, right? If you raise it a criminal family, do they like the cops? No. If you're raised by counterfeiters, do they like excellent counterfeit detection machines? They do not. So that's my question. If you didn't like your father and you knew that as a child, why would you side with him against yourself when you could have just as easily and just as rationally, you could have said, wow, if he really hates enthusiasm, that's the one thing I'd better hang on to. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and it is strange that there are definitely aspects of my life where people would not describe me as unenthusiastic at all. Now, those are less personal sort of things, uh, you know, talking about uh, um, or even sort of philosophical things or uh things to do with uh, certainly cryptocurrencies, things like that. I mean, I could talk people's ears off about that and often have, uh, but obviously... Is that getting you a lot of dates? No. <laughs> no. Right. Well, You're calling me for help uh, with it, crypto? No. It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't uh, get me dates with the kind of women that I would want to anyway. They'd be chasing something other than what's well, within. It would, though, but anyway. Um... <laughs> but uh, no, you're... Uh, you're, you're right when it does come to, and this is something that's happened to me when I've talked to therapists in the past too, is they do kind of note that I do seem very almost aloof, almost uninterested. It's not, and it's not that I, you know, when they do give actionable advice that I never take it or anything like that, it's just that I don't emote how they would expect. And certainly that is something that is carried don't over. Emote? Oh my God, man. You when are I tough not to crack. You are tough not to crack. They don't, you don't emote how they expect. When talking about, you know, what's going on in my life and things like oh that. Oh my god! Like, you don't emote how they expect. I guess with the passion that, that they would expect. No, I, you it, don't emote. Period. Hmm. Not that 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 last bit. That's your dad. Okay. Well, they have these expectations about how I'm going to emote. I guess I don't satisfy their expectations, so it's mostly them. Uh huh. And you can't be loved if you're not accessible. And love is a feeling. Love is a passion. And you can't love or be loved if you can't feel or won't express those feelings or won't connect to those feelings. Mm -hmm. And 
what's at the root of this lack of feelings is your anger. Just so you know. That is what I would expect, yeah. So whenever you say to me, like I'll drop you some important thing, right? And you'll say to me, mm-hmm. Do you know what you're saying? Fuck you. You see, yeah, if you, you, see, you, see if you yeah. can catch me, man. You see if you can catch me. You see if you can make me feel a goddamn thing. I'm going to keep myself pure. I'm going to keep myself aloof. I am not going to surrender. I am not going to give you one fucking inch. I'm not going to give you any part of myself until you get exhausted and you wander off and I'm fine again. And you can do that. It's a free world, right? At least in our hearts. <laughs> you can do all of that. And you will go the next 50 years and be alone. How do people know that you care? If you care. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, is that a rhetorical question or you wanting me to answer it? If you want to answer it, I'm happy to hear. Well, I'd, I'd say obviously it's through through showing that you care, displaying it, and that does involve emoting. That does involve, I mean, it can't just be just be physical gestures. Or things like that. Right. I'm, I'm absolutely certain, um, well, certainly not in all the cases, there definitely are cases I can point to of coming across as too aloof and that being something that probably uh, caused women to lose interest, things like that, or just other people. See, your issue is that you couldn't trust your mother, you couldn't trust your father. They betrayed you, right? Yep. Do you know why people need you to care? Uh, go ahead and I don't quite know how to vocalize what I'm thinking well good I'm glad you didn't intellectualize it anyway so people need you to care so you can be trusted right and sorry I I don't mean to to keep saying right but no I I understand what you're saying if you can't be passionate you can't be trusted now do you think your parents were emotional people. My father only when he drank. Otherwise, no for, to both. And when he was drunk, how would his emotions come out? What would happen? Only negative. Oh, very, very, very rarely no, positive. What, it, it, well, no, negative is not an emotion. How would his emotions come out? What, what, would, what would they be? Would he be angry? Would he be sentimental? But what would he be? Uh, woe is me, vulnerability mixed with condescending uh, anger towards the outside world, you know, my mother and myself. Okay. The error that you've made, and I completely understand it, and I completely sympathize with it, and it's perfectly natural and understandable that you would make this error. The error that you've made is you think manipulations are emotions, and because you don't want to be manipulative, you won't allow yourself to become emotional. Actually, (laughs) that verbalizes it exactly what I think, yeah. Your father, when I said to him, "What? Well, how did his emotions come out? Well, manipulative self-pity and aggression towards other people and scorn and self-praise and, you know, whatever it is, feeling more superior to and blah, 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 right? Emotions None of those are emotions. Always, oh, sorry. Yeah, emotions have always been used to, well, not always, but 
often been used to man- manipulate me both by parents and other people. You know, talk about the BPD girlfriend. That's kind of the, the nightmare case study of manipulative emotions. And you no, know, I absolutely agree with everything you say. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but yeah, detaching okay, so from you said you said emotions have always been used to manipulate you. Emotions, emotion. Hang on, emotions are the opposite of manipulation. Now, pretend, fake emotions and and the fact that you end up with a woman in the performing arts—not too shocking, I guess, right? But fake emotions, self pity, this, that, and the other, right? Yeah, those are not real emotions. Those are manipulative emo- or uh, feigned emotions. Right. So feigned emotions like, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, sobbing yeah. about the January 6th assault. It's all just manipulative, right? All just manipulative. They're not emotions. They're not emotions at all. They're not genuine. They're not spontaneous. They don't connect. They're controlling, self-pitying bullshit. They're not emotions. Right. They're the denial of emotion, and the manipulation is the pretense of emotion in order to control other people's behavior. The pretense of emotion. And do you know how you know the emotions are pretense? They switch like that. Right. So your mother's crying, crying, and and then you you disagree with her about something. She immediately gets angry. Right, or or someone's angry at you, you appease them, and they immediately give you a big hug of their anger. So if the anger, ha- if the emotion has no con- continuity, no throughput, no depth, if it just changes on a dime, then you get what you want, right? Then you, that the, they're toddlers. I call them BFPs, barely formed people. Barely actually- formed people. So babies, sure. babies do not experience genuine emotions for the most part. A baby cries to tell you the baby is hungry, not because the baby is having a deep emotional experience of the world. And then when you give the baby food, the baby stops crying because the baby has got what it wants. The, the emotions of, 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 of babies are manipulations. And this is not a negative thing. It's really good that they can tell us when they're hungry. But it's when people, like babies, they don't have the ability to get what they want by saying words. And because they don't have the ability to get what they want by using language, they have to use fake emotions. And again, I'm not saying that babies are fake and manipulative in the way that adults are. But you know that a a baby's emotion when it's really deep and heartfelt, it can't change, like on a dime, right? But if the baby is hungry and you give the baby food, the baby is happy. So the emotion, so to speak, it's it's an affect, you could say, right? right. It, 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 it attempts, yeah. And so when you these BFPs, these barely formed people, they have no belief that they can get what they want through language, just like a baby. So what do they do? They manipulate just like a baby. No, and that's so actually, you were raised by toddlers at best. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's actually something I kind of, when I'm mulling over this conversation in advance kind of things to talk about, one of the things I've noticed in my mom since moving, and I do very much think it's the whole uh, you know reliance on me or whatever, is she seems to be devolving into a more infantile state to the point of doing little you know little tantrums over you put the 
the picture frame in a different wall than I wanted that kind of stuff when I just trying to be helpful or whatever. That's definitely put a fire under my feet to get the hell out of there fast. Um, and in fact, I'm even looking into probably doing like a month Airbnb in town. I have to be around just to be near her sig- to get some signatures from her for some things. But uh, um, definitely, uh, definitely I'm seeing that more and more come out in her than it was in the past. But I too definitely see that throughout the lifetime, particularly my father too, the whole BFP of, being an uh, emotional, uh, man- manipulated, uh, emotionally manipulative man, but not having really genuine emotions because in one conversation, he could be talking up how proud he is of his valedictorian son to his coworker or something like that. And then 30, 40 minutes later, your coworker's gone, hey, you piece of shit. Why don't you ever do anything, right? Not that verbatim, but that sort of sentiment. Right. And your dark fantasy of I'll kill myself and then you'll feel bad. That's a manipulation. Right. No, I, that, that I'm sure that especially me vocalizing the, just wish I was dead um, or whatever I said exactly. Um, that definitely is something that's manipulative in a sense. Cause it's not like I was actually threatening to kill myself or anything like that. No, but, and look, I remember being, I don't know, six or seven years old and my mother getting, insanely angry at me for not having tidied my room or something like that right and i was doing a lot of painting a lot of art back then and i actually dragged home a whole door believe it like there was this house that was being torn down there was a whole door i dragged the whole door home so i could paint the landscape on the door and i, I had chalk and and i would was working with chalk and all that and i remember saying oh that's it my mom is going to want to talk and i'm going to say oh i'm sorry i need to check that my room is tidy and my mom's going to want to go somewhere, and I'm going to say, oh, I can't go because I have to tidy my room. And I'm just going to make her pay for being violent towards me for having an untidy room. And I'm not going to do my painting anymore. And then someone's going to come over one day and they're going to say, wow, that kid had real talent as a painter. It's too bad he never manifested it. And then my mom will feel bad. You know, there's this uh, scene in, in an old movie called The Christmas Story where um, the, the kid is blind and his parents are so sorry that they, they did whatever it was that made him blind. And, and, you know, he just dominates them through his self-pity and, and, and it's a kind of a comedy scene and all of that. But we've all had that, you know, I'll, I'll withdraw my gifts and then you'll be sorry. Right. And then you'll be yeah. sorry is the, right. The, the, the BPD, the, the, sorry, the BFD P thing, the barely formed person thing is like, and then you'll be sorry. Right. No, I definitely saw that sort of behavior in myself when I was in my late teens and early twenties. As well, um, not anywhere near as bad as like my father by any means, but definitely doing the uh, can't really even think of any specific examples, maybe kind of repressing right now a little bit, but definitely coming across as like kind of the woe is me, like you'll appreciate me when I'm gone sort of stuff to people that hadn't at best or I mean at best at, mo- at worst slightly like mistreated me or slightly, you know treating me with disrespect or whatever and just letting that kind of go out on them and that's obviously something i had to work on in therapy for a few years to get over with that um so i don't think i act like that anymore at least to i mean i guess you could say that what i described that night was certainly to an extent that way but that's not a a habitual thing but um so yeah i mean they're yeah we know that i guess i'd say I've, I've, i've built up from where i was so um I mean, I guess you got to say that shows that I can change too, is that if I can prove yeah, from there to here, then I can prove from here to somewhere else. 
Yeah, of course, you, of course, you can change. I mean, no, I mean, the reason I'm I'm being kind of uh, hard on you is because I'm obviously know that you can handle it and all of that, and and that's what's what's necessary for you. And you need someone to stand up for what you sacrificed yeah. out of a mistake, right? So this is your your parents did not believe that they could get what they want through words, right? So let's look at your this interaction with your mom, right? You were supposed to load up a car, right? You had a couple of beers and then you napped on the couch, right? Right. So your mother was upset and annoyed, and she now she could have just waited for you to wake up and said, hey, you know, like, you said you were going to load up the car, and you didn't load up the car. What's going on? I, I feel kind of annoyed, right? Now, that's the conversation you can have that's perfectly reasonable and positive and, and helpful in the world, right? That's a decent thing to, to be able to do, right? Yep, and uh, yeah, that would have been a reasonable back and forth, and I could have said, you know, I'm waiting for the morning. I'll do it then, that sort of thing. But obviously, she came to me with... Uh, well, no, but then she would say, but you said you would do it, right? And yeah, my, my thing, just, just by the by, like I th- my thing is, do it or tell me you won't. Right? That, that's just all the way back to my business days, right? It's like, if somebody would say, I'm going to do X, right? Then do it or tell me you're not going to do it. But don't not do it and not tell me you're not going to do it because then I'm really stuck, right? Sure. Right. So if somebody had the document they had to prepare for me by Friday and they'd say, I'm going to do it by Friday, I don't want to hear on Friday that they didn't do it. Right. To do it. So with your mother, she could have said, like, I don't know if it was going to be done and you did say you were going to do it and so on. Right. But instead, she. Because she doesn't believe she can... I'm sorry, you're just moving around a lot. and get a lot of background noise from you. It really, really chews up my day afterwards when I have to clean this stuff up. So if you could just hold still or whatever it is you're I'm, rustling I'm around. I'm actually not moving. I'm sitting still. So um, Are you rubbing sorry. your mouth or face? Or? Uh, I was rubbing the back of my head. Okay, yeah, I, I hate to be annoying, but your mic's just picking up a lot and it drives me nuts trying to clean this stuff up afterwards. Anyway, so your mother couldn't express her frustration or her mild annoyance, or whatever it is, right? And so she, in order to get you to change your behavior, she did not believe that she could appeal to your caring for her, right? Because if she said to you, you know, uh, I mean, I I thought you were going to do it. I wasn't sure if you were going to do it. I'm concerned that if I try and do it, I'm going to put my back out, whatever it is, right? And, you know, it just kind of puts my day on hold, and, you know, you just kind of pass it out on the couch. I don't know what's going on. Look, you did make a commitment and you didn't follow through on your commitment. It's very mildly annoying, right? I think you can understand that, right? Yeah, no, I understand. Absolutely. Yeah, so, but, you know, not, not a big thing, right? So she didn't want you to do that again, right? Now, if you, if you don't want someone to do something again, you have, two, you have two choices or three choices. Number one, you can never see them again, right? So, you know, you, you say to your girlfriend, oh, you're treating me like crap. She just goes to you, right? So that's number one. Number two... You can express your needs and preferences, knowing that they care for you and will want to adjust things, right? Right. Or number three, you can bribe and or punish them. I guess nagging would fall into that category. Oh, yeah. Nagging is is punishment, right? Okay. Now, when she says to you, why can't I rely on you, knowing the damage that she facilitated your father inflicting on you, in fact, empowered your father to do it by giving him children and then failing to protect them, right? So she knew exactly where the greatest wound was in your personality 
and she hit it with a hammer, right? Yeah, and she's done this somewhat recently once before in another way where um, – to, to bolster that point, um, and I do think it's kind of the, the path that her mentality seems to be going on right now in terms of the becoming more childlike, in that I forget what it was that I did. Maybe it was just because I was drinking too much or something like that, and she was just associating that with my dad, which to be fair, um, I need to cut back on drinking, and I go through kind of waves sometimes. I don't drink at all. Sometimes I drink too much. I'm, I've been kind of in a too-much phase lately. Um, but saying you're starting to remind me a lot of your father. And that one I actually pushed back on, uh, not with any kind of temper tantrums or anything like that. I said, don't, do not compare me negatively to my father ever again. And I'm sorry, I didn't know I didn't know. You knew exactly what you're doing. Do not do that again. That is very disrespectful to me and unfair. I'm not treating you like he treated either of us. And that one actually shut that one down. I never heard from that one again. But uh, Well, okay, but hang on. See, but you're doing a similar thing, and I'm not saying you shouldn't stand up for yourself if people say outrageous things or anything. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is that you gave her negative language, right? It's disrespectful. It's this, you know, I, as opposed to that really hurt me and terrified me, both that you would do it and that it might be true. Because obviously, if something's not true at all, then it's not going to hurt you, right? If somebody right. says to me, your, your pronunciation of Japanese is atrocious, I'm like, well, I guess I'll find a way to live with it because I don't speak Japanese. She, so. she certainly knows that not wanting to be a reflection of my father is a big concern of mine that has been the case for a while. And I've right. said this explicitly so, there. No, I get all of that. But what you did was you said to her that you disrespect, like you gave her a lot of negative language, a lot of punishing language in order to have her not do it again. Now, people, people of self-respect don't want to be trained like fucking puppies, right? We don't want to be around people who just use shaming language. Because it's, it's, it's a... Yeah, I guess I didn't see it that way, but you yeah, are listen, correct. No, no criticism. Again, I'm not, I'm not you know, trying to make you feel bad or anything like that. What I'm saying, though, is that people really, really don't want to be around that kind of shaming language. Because it's not being treated like a human being. It's not being treated like you... Um, how best to put it? It's not being treated like, well, look, of course I don't want to hurt you. If I, Like I said something that was really hurtful to you, of course I don't want to hurt you. And so I have to figure out why I use this big weapon on you and, and I have to figure out... like that, That's a mature way of solving or, or trying to deal with a problem as opposed to you know, you, 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 how come I can never rely on you? Well, you're being disrespectful to me. Like, these are just taking giant language clubs at each other in an attempt to change behavior rather than, which is, you know, that's exactly what babies do. Babies will be like, I'm going to cry in a really annoying fashion until I get what I want because I, I don't have words. I, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not an adult. I'm not a, I'm not a, I have no language for it. So because I have no language for it, but I desperately want you to change your behavior. I'll just punish you. Now, babies do it with crying or screaming. And your mom does it with, why can't I rely on you? And you do it with, that's disrespect, like you're just punching. To try and train the other person to change behavior based upon hurting them. 
Yeah. And then also me, you know, breaking the lap. That's also a acting like that as well because I'm creating a negative. You know, I've broken something of hers. It wasn't anything particularly valuable and it just made a mess that I swept up. But uh, I mean, that's definitely that is definitely in line with exactly what you're describing. Yeah. I if I can't get my way, I will escalate until you obey. And then people wonder where the state comes from, the government, right? Right. Right. Now, I mean, the fact that you smashed a lamp, a source of light, <laughs> we're going to stay in the dark, Mom. You and I are going to stay in the dark. How do you get what you want in a relationship without punishing or rewarding the other person? You know, like I was reading this story in the newspaper the other day about some, I don't even know. I, I mean, good to go get back and get older is I don't have any freaking clue who these celebrities are these days, which is great. But it was some woman. She got three kids, toddlers, and, whoa. Sorry, it's something just, yeah, turn that off. And, and she, she basically, I guess this provoked a bit of a debate online, but she was like, she said to her husband, hey, if you put the kids to bed, I'll have sex with you. Right, uh, the classic, um, you know, rewarding with uh, with sex or withholding sex uh, dichotomy of a toxic relationship. Right, and your father attempted to control and bully you by withholding, not obviously sex, but withholding approval. That sounds about right, yep. So, it's the big question. How do you get what you want in a relationship without... Rewarding or punishing? Now, if you don't have an answer to that, you can't have a functional relationship. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I guess the only way is reasoning through it in a you know, in an open and honest you know way that addresses concerns of both parties. Or I mean, that's that's me intellectualizing it. I understand, but uh, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, look, I mean, you're not wrong, but the more simple way is is just through love, right? So when you love someone, you don't want to hurt them. So if you love someone, you don't want to punish them. Because that's right. to hurt them. Love and punishment are opposites. And so is love and reward. Because when you reward someone, you're saying, you don't love me. Well, that's the dog treat mentality. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, of yeah. course, right? So if this woman is, like, this woman should say, listen, I'm really desperate to get to bed early, and I would really hugely appreciate if you could put the kids down. I'm kind of frazzled. I'm really, I'm just, I'm just done today, or whatever. It's like, okay, well, I, I love you, and I will be happy to, to, to get that, right? I'd be happy to help, listen, love to, you know, I want you to be happy. Um, it's obviously a completely reasonable thing that you're asking, so Yes. But, she, but, but the moment she says, I will bribe you with sex, she's saying, you don't love me enough to do it without a reward. It's a, it's a, a, a rewarding people is an act of low self-esteem. It's a, an act of self-content. Because you're not relying on them loving you and wanting right. you to be happy. Now, you don't, you grew up in a family with punishments, and really the only rewards were a withdrawal of punishment for a short amount of time. Only rewards I ever got that were any kind of actual positive were sometimes just, oh, congratulations on straight A's, here's a hundred bucks. But that was just kind of a surface level thing. 
Right. Right. And and that is a reward for complying with your parents' preferences, not for something that you necessarily valued intrinsically. Mm-hmm. Good doggy. Here's a treat, right? No, that did definitely carry through with me to college because I didn't, though I do find this subject interesting to an extent, I never had any intention of working in the biochem field, but I studied at my pressure of my father who at the time was, you know, really pushing the whole, there's a biochem biotech bubble at the time that really popped when I was in school. So great, you know, advice dad, but, um, I had to circle around to what I actually wanted to study in uh, grad school. So really delayed on that. And that was following the, uh, exactly as you say the least disapproval and not yep. really much approval i guess he occasionally said you know hey it's congrats on being at a good school and studying real things and stuff like that a uh, little bit backhanded mind you because it's more of like a at least you do something right 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 and so free will is when you no longer process your behavior based upon punishment and reward Yep, and that's, I would agree that I did not uh, – you could certainly argue that I'm very much under the thumb of some things right now, but I did not let myself have much conception of free will until after my dad died. I very much let myself too much be led by him and his approval, and even though I was never getting it, um, climbing the metaphoric Everest, as I said in my, my uh, email, and uh, not really making time for myself or really conceptualizing what I wanted to do or what my interests were. Right. And, and we can see this in society, right? So society, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of people who want others to take the vaccine, right? The, the, the modern COVID thing, right? Okay. Uh, well, that's, that's, well, so, that's I mean, so how, how do you, well, now it's, it's punishment and reward, right? So in Alberta, they gave you a hundred bucks and, and now you can't do X, Y, or Z, or, or like, we're just going to punish you and reward you to get you to do what we want, as opposed to genuine free speech, open data, debates you know let's let's get this all hashed out because the yeah, people who the are DNA. saying it's dangerous and the people who are saying it's safe they're not even talking to each other and there's no you know not a lot of access to the source data and and debates are not allowed so so i mean look this is a social problem as a whole this is not like something that you have or and i have or anything this is like a social problem we have as a whole but for yourself if you associate emotions with punishments, contempt as a punishment, disgust, or I don't know what exactly you're, it is almost like contempt, like your mother saying to you, why can't I rely on you? Or what was it you say exactly? I think that was more or less it, like I wish you could be relied on, or I wish I could rely on you, or something like that. Right. Now, of course, she's not talking to you. She's talking to her own parents. She's talking to her herself with regards to who she chose to get married to. Well, and Her, and all her own parents uh, were in themselves uh, I, I, not particularly great people. So no, I, I understand the pathway that led from, uh, from her, particularly her mother, to her husband. And then now that obviously came to me. And that's actually something I've talked to my mom about a little bit before, just kind of like why is the cycle continuing but uh, I, she's just not receptive to it so it's something I just can't really get through well yeah so the problem is of course that when you enter into the manipulation world there's almost no exit uh, yep. because you've corrupted your emotions 
you've corrupted your emotion. Like, you know how a country will say, loyalty to virtue is loyalty to the government. Loyalty to virtue is loyalty to the government, right? That's what they, now that's corrupting loyalty to virtue to turn it into enslavement to the state, right? And if you go down the road where you use your emotions to get what you want by rewarding and punishing other people, Well, with regards to women, you'll always end up, unless she's actually your girlfriend or wife, you'll always end up at the ugly side of the equation because obviously your mother is not going to be able to reward you with, with sex or romance or anything like that. So all she can do is punish you with disapproval, right? Yep, pretty much. And so once you go down that road, and, and my guess is that your mother, for reasons we can probably have some sympathy with with regards to her childhood, but your mother... never evolved past, this is why I call them barely formed people, she never evolved past the toddler phase of cry and scream, inflict negative stimuli on people until they give you what you want and then reward them with some happiness. Like, so what do kids do? Babies, right? They'll, they'll cry until you give them what they want and then they'll giggle and burble and they'll smile at you and they'll give you the positive stuff, right? Because they're training you. And again, perfectly reasonable for toddlers, not so much when you're 60, but perfectly reasonable for toddlers, right? No, I'm very much in line with, um, you know, the why she's got married and why she had a kid. That very much sounds like the relieving the negative. It's like, well, you did something bad. Now I'm going to hit you back. And it's in the form of a punishment, which then carries forward to resentment towards that punishment, be it the marriage or the child. Right. Right. At least that's. Well, and, and she's like, I'm going to nag you until you give me a child. Right. Yep. Nag you, make you feel bad about yourself. Um now okay so so the problem is that i think you've allowed your parents to own the word emotion Mm -hmm. and you view their emotions as distinct from toddler manipulation emotions are not for babies emotions are not really for toddlers emotions are for older kids and older people, where you have actually the capacity, because emotions do require some level of freedom, right? I'll give you a silly example, right? So let's say you're a drug addict and you're over at some drug dealer's house and he's got lots of drugs, but you have no money and you're desperate for the drug. Well, everything you do is going to be not authentic and genuine and natural. It's going to be with one goal and one goal only. To what? Right, to get the, the dopamine hit the drug. Right. So if he makes a joke, you're going to laugh. And it's the same thing with guys trying to pick up girls or whatever. It's the goal is to get the girl into bed. It's not to be authentic or genuine or real in any way. shape. No, or form, I've, right? I've definitely seen that coming across in some of my worst friends at the time, or finger quote friends, and some of the worst you know, girls I've gone on dates with, I guess. I've, I've been able to pick it up in people at times, but maybe it's just I'm not picking well, up whatever. Girl, right, the, on myself. The, the, the performer that you she, you said very clearly her goal was to, to get you to like her, to be super charming, super positive, super enthusiastic, and then once you like her, to reject you, right? Right. To reel you in and then carve you up, right? So none of that is genuine, right? Now, Yeah, no, absolutely not. So here's, here's my case, right? I'll sort of end here, but here's my case, right? Your emotions, your genuine emotions, are the only things that can protect you. Now, the fact that pretend emotions were used to harm you is really important. But pretend emotions are the opposite of real emotions. 
Real emotions connect you to people. Real emotions generate safety in you because you, it, they only will bring people in your life and keep people in your life who also have access to genuine emotions. And therefore, they genuinely care about you. Therefore, they won't hurt you. Or if they do, it's inadvertent and, and you know, whatever it is. Like, like uh, you know, when you, were, when you were doing your Taekwondo every now and then, you'd get a, a, a foot to the head, right? But it wasn't somebody trying to kick you in the head. It was just an accident, right? So you, you, you shake hands and you move on, right? So genuine emotions. Right now, your absence of emotionality is putting you at enormous risk. And this risk is only going to increase as you get into your 30s. Why? Because you are a attractive, well-educated, successful man. And there's going to be predatory women out of their first divorce, maybe single moms, whoever, who are going to want to just get their probiscuit into your Bitcoin address, right? Sure. So right uh, now, your lack of genuine emotion, which you think is keeping you safe and keeping other people safe around you, because, man, when my parents were around, they just blasted me with their emotions and their passions were outrageous and and their their emotionality was incredibly dangerous and toxic so i'm gonna spark it up man i'm gonna just i'm gonna hold in all these emotions i'm not gonna be because emotions are toxic it's like no 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 no. that's the dangerous thought genuine emotions are incredibly protective because the people who are manipulative will run from genuine emotions will run from genuine emotions they will stay away from you if you are genuinely emotional. And oh, even that term, emotional, we think of it as some crying woman who, or some toddler who's having a tantrum because he can't have a candy bar or something right. like that, right? It's become colloquially synonymous with like hysterical. Or yeah, yeah, or man- manipulative and all. So, but your emotions, your genuine emotions, because they are genuine, good money drives out bad. Bad money drives out good. Genuine emotions drive out manipulations, and manipulations drive out genuine emotions. So you're not dating because you're unprotected. Because you associate feelings with manipulation, which means through desire, through love, through lust, all of these emotions, you feel that you're going to be drawn into a world where everything's going to be manipulative, which is what happened with your BPD Southern California girlfriend, right? I think that's absolutely right, considering that I kind of, on the back of the, just being kind of used a couple times right before the last, like I said, my last real date was in February of 2020. And then coronavirus hit that also kind of was a bit of an excuse because everything was locked down and all that. But that just caused me to detach because it's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm tired of these people that I'm trying to get, you know, attached to. And then they, somehow they can act all very, uh, you know, very interested and caring and all that. And then they get whatever they want. Usually it was just a one night stand and then just see ya. Um, and you know, it was kind of feeling like, well, if that's the, if that's the, the ropes, then I just kind of don't want to play the game. Right. Right. Whereas if you have genuine emotions, if you have genuine connection, you will not get entangled with manipulative people because they avoid you like the plague. Like if you're really, really good at knowing what a counterfeit dollar bill is and the counterfeit guys know this about you, they'll never hand you one. Right. What is it, if I may ask a question, what is it 
that kind of manifests when a person is, as you say, like, you know, genuine emotions that is so off-putting to the, the fake people? What are they reading in that is the, the kryptonite to them? Well, the kryptonite guess, to like, them, now the kryptonite to them is because they're barely formed people, but they think that they're genuine human beings. If you point out the shallow manipulative aspect to their emotionality, it terrifies them. So you mean if you outright point it out as in like literally well, no, no, pointing you just, it out? It doesn't have to be anything you say. Okay. It's the way you look at them. It's the pause. Somebody tries to charm you and you just don't respond because oh, it's, the, oh, I, it's a I manipulation, see. right? Yes, so okay. so if, if they try to manipulate you and you don't respond, manipulation, understand, manipulation comes out of a deep-seated belief in sheer fucking helplessness. Just like babies. Babies are helpless to get their own food. Manipulation mm -hmm. emerges out of a genuine sense of helplessness, but it's designed to cover up that helplessness. Look, your mother was helpless to get a quality man. She's helpless to get quality friends. She's helpless to keep her son around. She's helpless. Yep. Now, that's how manipulation plays out in the long run, right? So and your she's definitely a mark. Um, you know, when, when my dad died, uh, you know, leaving money behind, I definitely had to get involved quickly because she was the kind that would buy magic beans oh, yeah, to yeah. a smooth-talking salesman. Sure, Thankfully, sure. I was able to just get in on you know, money match account, just let them deal with it. But right. yeah. So because manipulation arises from such a deep seated sense of helplessness, if manipulation doesn't work, they run because it reminds them of what the manipulation is for, which is to cover up their helplessness. So when manipulation doesn't work, they're People, feeling helpless. They, they, they get close Again. to that sense of helplessness, which is the cause of their manipulation and the basic agony of their existence. People who have a genuine capacity to get what they want aren't enraged when people look at them skeptically or, you know, it's too much or whatever. But the reason why you're safe if you're genuine in your emotions is that you can't be manipulated and manipulators never want to fail because manipulation comes from failure to begin with, which is the failure to believe that you can get what you want. Oh, well, it's, it, I mean, I, this is probably a perfect example of it, but I can think of a time when being propositioned by a girl and just saying, no, I don't really want to go for that. Never talk to me again. That's probably a case of that. You know, she's doing the manipulating. Well, she could have look, she could have just been horny, right? Yeah, fair enough. I mean, she obviously doesn't uh, doesn't rejection is not the same as right. But if she if she wants, let's say that, um, she 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 wants to make her boyfriend jealous, right? Here's a perfect example, right? So you're in a bar, back when you could go to bars, you're in a bar and there's some girl she wants to make her boyfriend jealous, right? Now, if a girl wants to make her boyfriend jealous, will she ask a guy who will reject her, or will she approach a guy who will reject her? I would think that that would not be, yeah. That's the last thing she it. wants to do. Because she can only make her boyfriend jealous if guys want to 
if guys respond to her positively. If she wants to make her boyfriend jealous, she goes up to some guy in a bar, he laughs at her and turns away. Her boyfriend is going to be like, oh, yeah, good job making me jealous, right? So if she's approaching you because she wants to make her boyfriend jealous, she will very much figure out ahead of time whether you will look away from her or not. And she will only approach the guys who will respond positively so that she can make her boyfriend jealous. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I, that makes sense. I mean, I'm not really playing out the scenario in my head, but maybe it's just I've not really seen that too much. But no, okay. I you understand, in, though, that she, she, yeah. she can only make her boyfriend jealous if she's not rejected by the man she approaches, right? No, absolutely, yeah. So she has to make sure. So she's not going to approach some six-foot-tall guy with a supermodel on his arm, right? Because he will reject her. Yep, no, I, I got what you're saying. So that's what I mean. If her manipulation is going to fail, she can't afford that. So she's going to pick some guy who's attractive enough that it's going to make her boyfriend jealous, but not so attractive that he's going to reject her and thus her manipulation will fail. And so no, I, if... I, I, sorry, go ahead. That, that follow and that exposes her to the real pit that she was trying to fill because it's kind of like... it. I mean, is it kind of like an addict that is seeking their fix and how if they're, you know, very close to getting it, they get so much more voracious than if it's been weeks or something like sure, that. Yeah. If, you pull I mean, it away, if, that's if it's more know, imminent, the knives come out. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll give you an example, right? So there was a guy on my forum who was like raging at me for being a narcissist. Right. And I said, you know, I've got a lot of people around me, had a therapist, you know, a lot of people around me, pretty skilled in these kinds of areas. And they've never obviously said that or whatever. Right. So then he was like, ah, yes, but that's because you can go for decades and nobody will ever know that you're actually a narcissist. Right. It's like you're, you're the emperor Palpatine of narcissists. Well, I don't know, some sort of like weird shapeshifter or something like that. And so so apparently, you know, the people who've been in my life for decades have absolutely no idea, even though they're skilled in the area. But this guy, who's just some stranger on the internet, is totally certain, right? So but basically he's saying, I want to be able to call people narcissists, but if they claim that there's evidence at the counter, I need to be able to dismiss any of that evidence, because if I actually have to provide evidence, I can't randomly call people narcissists in order to insult and control them, right? I think I remember uh, hearing you talk about that, the whole, like, well, if you deny you're a narcissist, then that proves you're actually a oh, super yeah, narcissist. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I need to be able to label people as narcissists. I want to have that power which means there can never be any evidence against what I say, because the moment I have to provide evidence, I lose my power, right? The whole, you know, you being upset is proof I was right. Or yeah, 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 yeah. So, so he, he took a run at the manipulation side of things, right? And uh, it didn't, didn't work, right? Didn't work. So people who, people who manipulate can never be in a position where their manipulation fails because it reveals their helplessness, which is the whole point of the, the whole manipulation is to avoid the helplessness. If they were genuinely honest with themselves, they would say, oh, my God, I really I feel like I can't get anything I want without bribing or bullying people. That's a terrible state of mind to be in. That's going to cost me all the happiness in my life. I'm never going to fall in love. I'm never going to be a good parent. I'm, I'm just going to you know, rage and bribe people. And, and it's basically saying, I can't ever have anyone in my life who cares for me enough to give me something I want because they love me. And right. so I'm going to, and because I'm manipulative, good people will never want to be around me. I'm, I'm 
entombing myself in this dungeon of manipulation from here to eternity. It's a terrible existence. And so I have to figure out why I genuinely feel if I ask people honestly for what I want, that they won't give me anything, that I, I'll never get anything if I'm not manipulative. Well, that's a real question. That's a real question. And you see, you withholding your emotions is also manipulative. You withholding genuine feelings from me, from, from others, is also manipulative. Because you're trying to achieve an effect rather than live in the moment, rather than have an experience in the moment. You're trying to achieve an effect. Now, in this case, the effect is, well, obviously emotions are toxic and dangerous because I was beaten over the head with big bagfuls of ugly emotions when I was a kid. So I'm going to be reasonable. I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be not abusive. And I'm going to do that by not having any feelings. Right. So you're trying to achieve an effect. And here's the thing, because when you had a feeling like you got darkly angry at your mom and you had this dark fantasy of self-destruction and this, that, so you say, well, that's a feeling. Well, I feel, I'm, I'm mad at myself about that. I feel bad about that. I'm going to punish myself with a negative judgment so that I don't have those feelings anymore. The result being that I have to fly halfway around the world to get any sense of independence. Now, whether you go or you don't go, it sounds like you're going. So I, I'm not sort of saying whether there's a good or bad thing to you going. It's oh, obviously no your decision. That, but no, I see what you're saying. Absolutely. But when you go, like you're going to go someplace new, right? And you go someplace new. Nature gave you feelings to keep you safe. If you can't be passionate, you can't be safe. And then the only safety that you have is isolation. Your intellectualization in this conversation is a form of isolating yourself from my passion, right? Right. I think I recognize that. Now, but do do you see that in this, and that's what you said you, earlier, you said, and listen, I'm not pointing this out in, in a negative or critical way. I'm just sort of pointing out the transactional nature of it. Earlier, you said, well, you know, this agenda that you're pushing or something like that, right? Which is, again, I, I'm not offended. I'm just pointing it out as a, a sort of transactional thing, right? Now that we're getting to the end of the conversation, and this, you know, you may, I'm not trying to give you a leading question here. Do you think that my passions in the conversation had a goal other than connection and illumination? No. And if I said agenda, I did not mean it to come across that way. I and mean, I guess more I was thinking what kind of path I, th I thought you might be going down in terms of. No, but that's, a, know, that's, that's not being genuine in the moment. Which is, okay, yeah. wait, 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 what's he trying to do here? Where's he trying to get me? What's his, what's his goal? Where, where's this going to end up? That's not being honest in the moment. That's another form of manipulation, right? Well, Fair. if I say this, it's going to get me closer to something I may not want to agree. Then you're like uh, being cross-examined in court and trying not to, you know, end up in jail. Like it's not a genuine interaction in the moment. And that's why you also said, okay, well, what am I supposed to do with all of this? This is what people do. It's a way of jumping out of the, right? But I'm not but trying to, to, to uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, to answer your question, no, definitely, I, you know, I recognize, I see the passion as being a, a way of drawing the conversation along and getting to the actual meat of it rather than surface level stuff. Well, I care about you. I want you to get what you want in life, right? I'm not trying to, you're not paying me. I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm not trying to get you to obey me or do something that I want to do. I'm genuinely focused on being in your corner saying, okay, how can philosophy best get you what you want in life? And I think if you can begin to re revisit this 
question of what are emotions. If emotions are barely formed people, toddler, petty manipulations and controls, well, I mean, you're going to have to robot yourself into genetic non-existence. Or, or let's say you become a dad, then your kids are going to be wildly enthusiastic. And do you know how many parents think that their kids are just manipulative? They, they, they don't listen to their kids' emotions. They don't care. Now, I know I said uh, babies are manipulative, although that's, you know, it's a bit of an anachronistic phase because they have no other choice, right? But there's a number of times it's like, oh, he just wants this or he's just blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, no, maybe he does have a genuine emotion about something. Maybe he is really frustrated about something. It's like, oh, well, he's just not getting what he wants. It's like, oh, well, absolutely recognize that from my own childhood. Yeah. You know, my Every own time you get emotional, thing. your parents like have to put it in some kind of light that it's manipulative, right? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, one case was I remember in first grade, I started pulling my hair out out of probably stress or something like that. And there's all. You know, they wanted to blame it on my teacher being too tough. I mean, to be fair, she was kind of a crappy teacher, but never, never inward. And then they also wanted to put me, and they actually did put me on uh, antidepressants when I was 18. Hmm. Um, and, you know, those that caused side like, effects. Don't you for make me your own more. choice at 18? Well, I mean, it was kind of one of those things. If you want us to keep supporting you financially. Um, oh, wow. You know, you got, uh, that's, that was more my dad saying that sort of thing. But those definitely caused very horrific side effects for me. I got off them after about two years because they were sending me on a path of just complete craziness because they were not for me because my problem wasn't any kind of chemical imbalance. It was obviously a life imbalance. Well, and of course, when you're a kid, you're pulling your hair out because you can't get what you want. Right. The attention of some sort, which, I mean, I guess it is to agree a form of manipulation, but it's no, not. No, it is. It is. But I mean, you're a kid. You're a kid trapped in a dysfunctional family, so we can give you lots of forgiveness for all of that, right? But no, you're pulling your hair out because you 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 need some attention to distress, and you're acting out the distress, so you will get attention for the distress. In the same way a baby's hungry, they act it out so they get their food, right? Right. No. But I, I would say that for you, your parents own the definition of emotions for you. And and if you go like you go to the other side of the world, if they still own that definition of what emotions are, you might as well never leave the basement. Emotions have been used, as you see, to to attack and bully and humiliate and degrade you and insult you. And those aren't real emotions. But if you let the abusers own the word emotion then they'll they'll take what's most important from you. And when you said to your mother, do you want me dead? Remember I said that the opposite of passion is death, right? Do you want me dead? Right? So right. What, you, what, 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 what you're saying to her is, Mom, if you're, you're just going to punish and reward me like a dog, I'm not alive. I'm not someone who can be reasoned with. I'm not someone you believe is capable of love. You're not. You're confessing you're not capable of loving me because if you loved someone, you would never say something like that. Never, ever say something like that. I mean, I've known my wife 20 years. We've never said anything in that vicinity to each other, and I could never, ever dream of saying that. Right? So, do you want me dead? Well, if genuine emotions would drive her away from you, then she would, yes, she would rather you be without passion, without feeling. And and to your credit, like you haven't become a manipulative person, really. And that's wonderful. Like, I mean, you should be incredibly proud of that. That's a hell of an achievement. It really is. It was a path I saw myself going down that I managed to break from. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's it. 
Yeah, like me with shoplifting. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I just, yeah, want to express massive admiration. I mean, great job in the call. And I hope it wasn't too tough. I think, I think it was fine. But yeah, oh, I, okay. I, I'm sure uh, there'll be some residual, you know, whatever as I'm coming to terms with it. But it's not, it's not bad pain. It's muscle pain from a workout sort of uh-huh. thing. Right. And was, was it helpful to you? I also want to double check on that before. Oh, no, I absolutely believe so. I guess I don't know how much I've heard you in the past giving like action items or anything like that. But do you have any suggestions on how I could better conceptualize and learn like true emotions and being true to my own emotions and not just kind of thinking about it? Obviously, I have a very academic mindset of things. Yeah. Very, so, I mean, look, the thing to do is is when the emotions come up, just don't wish them away. Just don't push them down. Uh, so, uh, gosh, okay, like tiny story time before we close. Um, when I was working up north, I was at a nightclub, and I chatted with a um, a woman, and I wanted to get her number. She's This was in Thunder Bay um, 35 years ago, whatever, right? So, uh, 36 years ago. So, I was in, I was in Thunder Bay, and um, we were dancing to, to a band. Um, they did a really great cover of everybody wants to rule the world. I remember that very vividly for some reason. And anyway, we were chatting and, and all of that. And, um, I, I didn't get her number. I gave her my number, which is never a great sign. But anyway, so the next day the phone rang twice. and I'm sorry. I said it worked for me like twice. Yeah. Yeah. And so the next day the phone rang and it was uh, somebody else. Right. And I felt disappointed that it wasn't the girl from the bar. Now, I had just read The Psychology of Self-Esteem. I was 18, I think. Um, And I just read The Psychology of Self-Esteem about, you know, have your feelings and and enjoy your feelings and and the feelings are there to help you and so on, right? And I felt a stab of disappointment because the phone rang and it wasn't this girl from the bar. And I just said, oh, normally I would just push that away. And I was like, you know, I just read this book and let me, uh, let me let them... Let me let the disappointment happen. And I really felt the disappointment. And that's sort of the big... And so you'll have the feelings come up and you have this habit of, of like you just push them away or I don't have time or it's unimportant or, I, you know, they're bad or negative or me, whatever. And just say, okay, let's let the feelings... Let them come up. Let the feelings come up. And, uh, I mean, Psychology of Self-Esteem is a pretty good book, by the way, Nathaniel Brandon. But I would say, in general, just let the emotions come up. And uh, if if you have this habit, which I'm sure you do, of pushing the emotions down, just try and really work on on that habit. And then as your emotions are like, oh, we can come out now. Wait, we're out of house arrest. Then they'll they'll start coming out more. I think. And so when you say come up, I mean obviously you don't mean over emote and be that kind of beta guy that starts crying. I'm not saying that. I'm I'm putting the, my words in that. Uh, being you know the beta guy that over emotes about everything. So how how does that manifest as? Uh, you know, in, in the said situation or whatever, do you just let it yourself feel it rather, uh, or do you actually express it? Well, no, you have to feel it. Who knows how it manifests? So that's not important. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it's like if, if you're doing a gym exercise, like just weights or whatever, you say, okay, well, what do I do with this? It's like, well, anything you want, <laughs> just, I can't tell you what to do with it, but it's whatever you're going to do physically, it's better to be stronger than weaker, right? So yeah, you just, just let the emotions come up. It doesn't mean that you, you know, go sobbing down the streets with your shirt on fire or anything like that. It just means that, and that's the sort of fear. Oh my God. Because the, the emotions will feel like insanity to you because it was, a, 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 emotional manipulation was used as abuse against you. So when your emotions come up, it will feel destabilizing like you're going mad, right? 
Uh, and and that's that's the fear, right? That's you know, and it's not just you; it's a societal thing too. If we have genuine emotions, then we don't really need the state. But that's a topic for another time. But uh, well, it's a whole it's a whole power structure that that it re re relies on us being manipulative, so that we're susceptible to manipulation. You can't propagandize people who feel deeply. You can only propagandize people who manipulate, because when you manipulate, you're susceptible to manipulation, and this is why they need everyone to remain shallow. So. But no, right. you, you have the feelings. It doesn't matter what you do with them. You don't have to do anything with them. Just experience them. All right. I will definitely try to, to uh, incorporate that going forward. Will you uh, keep me posted about how things are going? Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. Like just in terms of like emotional things or just. Just, yeah, how your life is. You know, you're going to set up in a new place. Just, you know, drop me a line. Let me know how things are going. Yeah, sure. I'll drop you a line from time to time whenever, you know, something comes up that I think might be of interest. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for the call. Really, really appreciate That's, it. Hey, and, thanks uh, for taking uh, damn near three hours with me. So. <laughs> You're welcome, man. It's my pleasure. It was a great chat. Take care. Oh, take care. Bye.